This is the voice of the Report of the Week, signing on. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and everyone listening in to today's program, the big broadcast. It's a, it's a long show, for sure. Uh, I hope you enjoy it, though. In today's broadcast, we're going to be covering a wide variety of topics, some of which pertain to current events, some of which are much more mundane in nature. But uh, really, I, I hope you'll, you'll enjoy the show. Uh, we're just going to have a lot of things for a, a little bit of a program guide. Uh, you can check the description. Um, there may be timestamps as well with some of the uh, some of the things we're going to bring up. But you're going to have a wide variety of stuff. Everything from updates on the coronavirus to uh, Elon Musk to ants to radio to motivation and everything in between. So uh, I hope it's going to be... Uh, an enjoyable show for you. When it comes to uh, today's broadcast, I will express my viewpoints on certain things, and you might not agree with everything that's said. But the aim of this show is not to incite, it's not to demean, it's just to try to discuss things that are going on. Everyone here is welcome uh, the way that I see it. We're all in this together. And, um, you know, that's the whole point of this show is not to drive anyone further uh, apart. You know, I may have my views, you have yours, but I think there's a way we can get through, especially these times, together. So I hope you enjoy the, the show and everything that is to follow. Before we get right into it, uh, this broadcast is listener-funded. I know that's asking a lot right now, and it's purely up to you. If you want to support the show, you can do so with a donation of any size and shape via PayPal to v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com or via Patreon to patreon.com slash the report of the week. You may wonder why I am asking of that. This pandemic and the situation is really, I think it's impacting so many of us financially, and I am no exception to that in, in any way, shape, or form. YouTube ad revenue is down significantly, as is interest in fast food and whatnot, uh, which is really the main source of uh, traffic for the main channel. And having talked to people from YouTube the other day directly, they said that they're, you know, they don't know what the future holds for for things financially. They really don't know. Maybe it could get better, but it might get worse. I'll keep you guys updated. So in the meantime, just look at it this way. Give the show a listen. See what you think about it. And if you like what you hear, and you want to hear more of it, I will be most happy to oblige and do a lot more shows just like this one but it can only be done with your support. And those are the ways to do so via PayPal and Patreon. It's just something to think about while you're listening, but the reason this show is here right now is thanks to the support of listeners just like you. And with that, enough of, enough of that um, little talk. Hey, let's just get right into it. You're listening to VORW International. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. 
and welcome one and all to the uh the show the big show right going out to you whenever it does whenever it goes out because one thing that i've realized you know that i've kind of learned so to speak um from doing these longer form programs you know these these long duration ones is that it would not be the wisest thing to do anyway not that there's anything wrong with doing it or not but i think it wouldn't be again the wisest thing to try and commit this to an actual date because sometimes there's some setbacks or there's some holdups or sometimes if you're feeling more productive you might have the show ready and you want to get it out before you say it's going to go out and it's so this is going to go out when it does so i'm sure um it'll be a little dated but hopefully not overly so for the sake of it i mean why not i'm not saying that i'm going to release it today but i'll tell you when i'm doing this um intro right now is being recorded monday may 4th 2020 may the 4th right may the 4th be with you the uh star wars day for those who are interested in that and I hope you're doing okay. Hope you're hanging in there. You know, it's... Well, these times are what they are. Not... It's not... See, the one phrase... <laughs> that is, in my opinion, completely incorrect. Because some people, you know, you sometimes hear these cliched phrases... To try to make something better, you know, to... Whatever it is, oh, you know, when life gives you... Um, lemons you know make some lemonade or whatever right telling you these things to take a bad situation and, and see if there's anything good from it and no i don't think there's anything wrong with that okay i don't think there's wrong with anything wrong with trying to you know make the you know make the best of a bad situation but the one thing that I've always disagreed with, with some of those phrases, some of those cliches, uh, is that, well I, well, I think they sound good, you know? While I think they're pleasant on the ears, it's the wrong way to handle a problem is to just distract yourself and think of something pleasant instead, you know? It's I ignore it and it'll go away, right? That doesn't happen. I mean... You know, I could use countless analogies with this virus, but, you know, you know how it is. It's like, for instance, oh, you know, let's say there's a leak or something. Let's say there's some faulty plumbing, and you have a little bit of a leak. But instead of fixing the leak or fixing the pipe, you just get a, uh, a paper towel and you wipe up some of the water, but it's still dripping out bit by bit. And you say, well, see, I cleaned it up right now. Yeah, it'll drip a little bit, but it's no big deal. And you just let it accumulate and get worse and worse and worse. Eventually, it's going to lead to much bigger problems because you never addressed the original one. You just kind of ignored it and thought, oh, if I don't pay attention to it and just do some cosmetic changes, it's going to go away. And yeah, it's no big deal anymore. Well, no, it still is a big deal. So sometimes those phrases are good. Sometimes it's just... It's all about balance. Sometimes you need to address the actual problem, and you can still make good of the situation, but you can't forget about the actual problem or the actual situation at hand. It's easier to run from it sometimes, easier to 
distract oneself, but sometimes that'll just make it worse. No, it all depends. You know, situationally, circumstantially, everything is, is different. It's like there's not any sort of blanket answer, right? But one, one person was saying in, in these times, um, with this situation, well, um, it is what you make of it. And I was thinking, well, there's some good things that can come of all this. There's some, you know, in terms of the quarantine and staying in, or, or maybe, you know, if you're a frontline worker helping people out, helping logistically, whatever. Uh, there's some good things that can come of it. But to me, it just doesn't seem right to try to you know, spin this into some sort of positive thing when the situation itself is ungodly horrible. I don't know. That's just me. But I hope you're doing all right. It's a crazy week. And I don't know, going forward, in terms of the pandemic, we're going to see what happens. You know, in the U.S., the situation is beyond complicated. And especially for our international listeners, I completely understand when someone in another country looks at the situation in the U.S. and is just bewildered by it. You know, because in most of the world, most countries do things, you know, as, as a whole, as one country. Uh, so if there's a lockdown, it applies to the entire country. And if something gets restricted or, uh, or lifted or what have you, it's for the entire country. It's a nationwide lockdown. But, you know, here in the U.S., you know, it's state by state. So one state is still locked down and another state is opened up. You know, it, it's so different. And they have all the 50 states and each one is doing something a little bit differently in terms of handling the virus. So then in some states you have a worse impact than others and it's... Oh, goodness, it is um, crazy, 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 and confusing at that. But, I mean, look, we've seen the direction uh, that the U.S. is going to go. And this is going to be the ultimate litmus test. With things reopening. Now, that's not to say, but because there are people who are out there doing the right thing. So don't think like immediately, if some, if some place reopens, let's say a store, because you're hearing all this talk, you know, about reopening the country, reopening the economy, uh, the protests from people who want the country to reopen, etc., etc. So you're hearing all this talk about things reopening. Now, it's, it's not to say that every person out there is an irresponsible idiot. Because that's not true. Uh, there's plenty of people who are going to be cautious, who are going to do the right thing, and, you know, are just going to take those measures, take those precautions. All right, for instance, back to my example. Uh, let's say a state is starting to make reopening adjustments, and now some stores are allowed to reopen. 
but those stores have to have a certain quota of people. Now, just because the store reopens with a limited capacity doesn't mean that all of a sudden that single store is going to result in a spike of cases in the vicinity, and it's going to lead to countless deaths, etc. As a matter of fact, many people are going to do the right thing. Uh, they're going to, you know, protect themselves. They are going to wear the appropriate PPE. They're going to cover their face. They're going to wash their hands, shower regularly, disinfect things, be hygienic. And they may not contribute to anything. They, they might not, you know, contribute to increased infection or anything. But we all have slip-ups. Some people just aren't going to, you know, adhere to those things. And overall, we're just going to see. You know, is the number of cases going to go up? I mean, I think it will. But how much, right? That's the big question. As things reopen, there's going to be an increase in infections. But how, how big is that increase going to be? Now, I don't want to be a pessimist. I don't want to sit there and say... Um, we're going to see totals like the Spanish flu or anything. But I don't know. We'll see. Part of me doesn't have a good feeling about it. Part of me wants to be cautiously optimistic about the reopening in the U.S. I understand, especially I think for a lot of people's mental health, I think the reopening is going to be very beneficial. Uh, it's going to be very helpful. It's going to be welcomed. Uh, for some, it's going to get a much long, uh, a long-awaited paycheck, is what I was trying to say. And it's going to be really helpful, you know, in more ways than one. And it's going to give normalcy, a sense of normalcy to people. But what's the cost going to be? There's, there's going to be a cost. Is it going to be worth it? Or is it not going to be? For me, I'm leaning on the side that is probably not going to be worth it. And it might come back around to bite us, especially in June. But part of me is going to be cautiously optimistic. And I'm not going to be totally doom and gloom about it. Look, we're going to see what happens. And uh, I really hope that that part of me that thinks... This is going to lead to a resurgence in the virus across the U.S. I hope that part of me is wrong. So I'm staying open-minded about it. As of now, at least as I'm looking at things, that's where, you know, a good amount of, of me is leaning right now. That there's just going to be an increase in a few weeks. Um, but, you know, hey, we'll wait and see. But I'll be cautiously optimistic. Hey, maybe there won't be. Maybe we'll get lucky. So that's my that's my viewpoint. But the one thing that kind of has really... For a while, I just... Like last week, the last time I, I recorded this show. And I was thinking about the reopening. And I had a feeling then that it was going to come back around to bite us. But I was more cautiously optimistic than I am now. Because the U.S. government, as well as various private uh, research institutes, have all revised 
their statistical models in terms of the coronavirus death toll in the U.S. And every single one of these models, taking into account now the reopening of the U.S., has at the very least doubled the amount of deaths that they originally predicted. And that's not a good sign, you know, to double the death toll. Now, it might be easy to say, well, it's no one that I know, no one that I, I care about, you know, no personal connection, but you're playing Russian roulette. If, let's say, God forbid, 100,000 more people die in the U.S., you don't know who it's going to be. I don't know, it's risky. It's a very risky situation. Yes, things can't stagnate forever. Especially if, as some projections say, the pandemic is going to last two years, right? The economy just isn't set up for that. And a lot of people aren't going to have that either. Uh, you're already seeing, you know, various uh, tensions rising amongst a lot of the population uh, in terms of the debate to reopen or not to reopen. So people are already, you know, they're saying, hey, we're not going to take this anymore. But I don't know. I don't know. Again, there's going to be a cost. But what is it going to amount to? Now, cost, I'm not talking economically. I'm talking in terms of, again, that resurgence in the virus, infections, deaths, etc. And one model, I believe, predicts by the early part of June, 200,000 new cases in the U.S. a day. Which, if you are to believe that, that's insane. But again, I don't know. There's been a lot of speculation, you know, especially early on in the virus and the pandemic and the outbreak that was very organized. It looked very official. It looked very, you know, it looks the part. Oh, this, you know, looks good, looks reputable, right? These people know what they're talking about. So I'm going to trust this because it looks good. And you study this statistic, these projections, only for them to be completely wrong, you know, in a month or two. Uh, for instance, in the state of Florida, they predicted, one model anyway, predicted, you know, like, 400,000 COVID-related hospitalizations by this time, and that hasn't happened. Obviously, that model was wrong, but there are others that have been correct. Uh, will the model that says that you're going to have 200,000 new cases a day every day in by, by June, I should say, is that going to be correct? I don't know. We know, again, I don't have a crystal ball. Who knows? But the one thing... That's kind of been, I guess, solidifying my view uh, about the virus resurging as the country reopens is just the fact that all of these models are coming into alignment in the fact that, yes, the number of cases will go up and it will go up a bit. So that's why. When you start seeing that happen and you start seeing a consensus that's really what's starting to, you know, I'll tell you this, I'm just not the most optimistic for what's going to happen. And again, one big thing that I fear 
um, going ahead into the rest of this year, let's just say, you know, let's throw out a good, uh, a good hypothetical. If things reopen, and let's say for the next two or three weeks, that sense of normalcy returns only for things to go back to how it is, and there's that resurgence in cases, then things get better again, and then in the fall, the real second wave of the pandemic hits, and then we're back to this again, and then we open up, and then there's a third wave, you know. Imagine the mental impact it would have on so many people. So one crisis in addition to many that I worry about is an unprecedented mental health crisis that's, that may very well emerge um, in, in the near future. And there may be waves of increased anxiety, depression, PTSD, perhaps on a scale that hasn't been seen again, uh, at least in recent times. Now, I don't know, this is purely speculative, but that's something that you don't really... You know, you read a story about it like once or twice, if you really scour the news. But it's not talked about that much, but mental health is just as important as one's physical health. Because you could be in absolutely perfect physical health. But that doesn't mean that your mental health is going to be in tip-top shape. Those two go hand in hand, they're just as important. So that's just one thing that I'm just really focusing on. I don't know, 2020 is just <laughs> one of those years. Uh, throw it away. Let's just go to 2021 already and uh, get this one over with. <laughs> you know, sometimes I think when we think about time, we say, oh, I just wish time could go slower. I wish that, you know, oh, just turn back time, make it go slower. <laughs> In this time... I'm just thinking, eh, 2020, just throw it away. Let's just go on to the next one and and uh, take a gamble that it's going to be a better year. <laughs> yeah. Goes to show, though, how unprecedented this uh, event is and how it seemingly comes out of nowhere. It, it, that's the funniest thing. I remember on New Year's, New Year's Eve, I remember sitting there and I was thinking to myself, 2020 was going to be a crazy year. And I wasn't saying that in regards to any sort of pandemic. I didn't even know that the COVID was, was a thing at that point. I don't think anyone really did, except for a few individuals in China. But I was saying that in regards to the U.S. Uh, election, you know, because I thought it was going to be pretty contentious, pretty crazy. Um, it was going to be heated. But never in a million years would I have ever guessed that it would have been due to this this horrific, horrific pandemic. God, how it just comes out of nowhere and tears through. Well, it's, you know, it's surreal. But again, I'm just holding out that cautious optimism because I don't want to be one of those people that's just sitting there... Now, yeah, you can't control it sometimes. It's another thing. You can't control it. But this is one of those situations that perhaps you can control. I don't want to sit there intentionally depressed and dreading 
the future and just telling myself day after day it's just gonna get worse it's just gonna get worse it's not gonna get any better and uh, you know just ticking ticking down the days till uh till it hits again and just in a rut only for that to never happen and just be in this miserable state for a whole month so that's why i'm keeping that cautious optimism i'm i'm, I'm kind of looking at it like if the situation devolves next month, at the very least, look, if I'm not physically ready for it, I'm not physically ready for it. There's nothing I can do about it at this point. But at least mentally, I could have seen it coming. And if it happens, it's not going to be like you're swept off your feet and you're blindsided and you're just completely shocked and... Then, you know, when, when that happens, when you think everything's going to be good, and then the opposite happens, the reaction is just, it hits you, and it hits you hard. It's like, oh my gosh, you know? And you're left sometimes very, very despondent, and you just want to, you want to give up. You want to cry, you want to throw in the towel. You're done. It's like, what was all this for? What's the point of everything for this just to happen? But if you saw it coming, it's not going to make that direct impact any better or any worse. But at least you can say, well, yeah, this sucks. It's awful. But at least I kind of saw it coming. There's nothing I can do about it, but at least I was able to anticipate it. And that's why I'm just trying to have that attitude, number one. So in case it gets worse... All right, saw it coming. You have that that base taken care of. But then I also try to keep that bit of cautious optimism too. So then, look, if that worst-case scenario doesn't happen, that's fantastic. And then it's a cause for celebration and, you know, still might keep your guard up. But you're not... You don't feel like you just wasted all this time being in this despondent rut. So that's the... um. A little bit of a blend <laughs> of attitudes I've got in terms of the situation. Just, I guess it's quite literally trying to cover all your bases, but that's what I've been doing. That's how it's been for pretty much the entire duration, that, that mindset. And it's been, um, it's been, it's been working. I mean, I'm still here, still going, you know, taking it day by day, but yeah, still, uh, Still going, still going strong. So that's, especially, hey, if it worked for me this far, then I'll just keep it up. So that's what we got going on. But I hope all of you are uh, taking it easy. I hope you're taking care of yourself and um, just staying healthy, staying safe, taking the necessary precautions, you know, doing all, doing all the reasonable things, you know, just... Hope you're taking it seriously, and I hope you and uh, everyone near and dear to you are doing doing all right. So, I didn't really mean to get into that right away. It just kind of kind of happened. Uh, we're going to have a lot of miscellaneous discussion, and then we're going to get into some some good letters. One thing you're gonna you're gonna hear some real you're gonna hear the process. Now you're going to say, what is the process exactly that you just alluded to? I don't know, I just, I made that up right now. Because it sounds better than 
what I'm really doing. But you see, the, the process is, uh, I'm sitting here and I'm recording the show. I forgot. And I make these mistakes sometimes. My mind just, it slips on me. And I'm like, well, I forgot about this. I, uh, I should have done this and I forgot. I see, I was thinking about the podcast, the last one that I did. And, you know, as I'm recording this, I was just kind of thinking about, you know, the podcast that I do in the channel. And I just realized I completely forgot to promote it. Meaning, let the world know that it even exists, that I made a new episode. The last one that I did, I'm talking about. The, um, the one from the other day, Random Talk, Kim Jong-un. Honesty in the news, thoughts on YouTube. See, I had to throw Kim Jong-un in the title, but I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't go all out. I didn't say, is he dead or whatever, because <laughs> he's not, he's alive. He went to his fertilizer factory and did, did all that stuff. But, um, <laughs> yeah, we got that out. And I forgot to promote it, though. Gotta let the world know it exists. But yeah, honesty in the news. See, that that covers... See, Kim Jong-un, that was in regards to what we talked about a lot. Honesty in the news was about kind of the ties in, you know, TMZ, all that, how they kind of jumped the gun. Well, they really jumped the gun big time now that it's confirmed he's alive. And then thoughts on YouTube was in regards to that one um, question that the listener asked last week um, about the channel and all that, about the you know, setting and, and whatnot, and that led to some really good discussion. But I forgot to get it out, so let's just do that while we're at it. Why not? So let's see. All right, how are we going to do this? Well, first, let's get the link to the video here. And now I want to go to the subreddit. Let's get it to the Report of the Week subreddit for all the, for all the Redditors there. Submit link. All right, let's get the URL and see you're here. This is the process, right? All right, we'll go with the title. Now let me add this a little bit. Instead of... Hmm. What title should we go with? Should we just go with the regular one? No, I don't... Because I haven't posted a VORW to the subreddit in a long time. So let's do this. New VORW pod podcast is up. Hmm. See, I want to maybe say something like, the new one is up, hope you could check it out. But then people might be like, yeah, well, what the fuck? <laughs> I was almost going to drop an F-bomb right there. What the heck is the, um, is the podcast exactly? And it doesn't really explain it. Yeah, like that's an issue. That's a problem. Yeah, you know what I'm gonna do? I'll do this. I'm gonna use the suggested title, but instead of random talk, I'm gonna say new podcast. See, that works. And then if someone wants to check it out more, they can do that. And there we go. New 
would be typing faster, but I'm just using one hand right now. New podcast. All right, that's good enough. And then I'll use the flare. Select VORW. Okay, there we go. New podcast. Good enough. Okay. Let's get it to Reddit. And I always add a little comment for the heck of it. Let me put the microphone down, so I'm sorry if you can't hear me the best. But let's give this a shot. All right, and let me just type real quick. I know I haven't posted one of these in a while, but I hope the show is enjoyable. Exclamation point. All right. Save it. We got it there. Okay, that's good. Next, we'll go to patreon.com for all the patrons there. And we're just going to do something similar, so we'll kind of, you know, rinse and repeat. Just let everyone there know that it's there, you know, it's that it's up if they want to tune in. Now this time I'm just going to go with the regular title. Okay. So now we're just going to post it there. I know this is kind of boring, but why not? That's, you know, <laughs> if you've made it this far already, you know, congratulations. <laughs> Maybe this is good for anyone who listens to this to go to sleep, which, that's another thing. If anyone listens to the show to go to sleep, that doesn't bother me in the least. It's like, that's fine. But, you know, that's fantastic. Look, if the show helps you fall asleep, um, that's awesome. I mean, that's, that's really, that's really good. Because I know what a pain falling asleep can be. So if this relaxes you and stuff, that's fantastic. And by all means, keep doing what you're doing. I don't mind. It doesn't bother me at all. Okay, now I'm just going to, we got it up there, and I'm just going to post a very similar thing, so give me a second. Put the microphone down again. Okay. And we got that done. Just kind of skimming over that. All right, good. Publishing that. And now on a final note for now, later on I'll get it up to the Insta. You know, got to add the H in there for extra exaggeration. But for the time being, we'll get it on the Twitter sphere and post it there. And I don't know. We'll see. Let's check this out. Yeah, well, we'll get it to the Twitter first. Do that first and foremost. So let's give that a shot. All right, assemble the tweet. And let's say... See, now this is where you gotta make it a little more gimmicky. Because you gotta... The whole point of promoting it is letting people know that it exists. So you have to advertise it in a way. 
So let's start it out. I'm thinking something like, if you want something to, because I want, I want to give, you know, because it really is something that if you want to kind of chill out to it, put it on the background, see what you think. Especially since it's like evening right now, on a Monday evening. You know, yeah, put something on in the background to just maybe put it on while you go to sleep. Go for it. Yeah, give it a shot. Something you could unwind to. Again, chill out to it. Do whatever you want to do. And um, I think that kind of fits the time that we're posting this at. So, something along those lines. Let's figure this out. Okay, there we go. I think I got it. Something along the lines of what I was hoping for. <laughs> and there's a picture of me. Oh, God, that picture of me sitting there. It's like I'm glaring at the camera. It's like I'm like, don't effing talk to me again. <laughs> I, I, I just... Some people were saying the picture that I used for for the, the last podcast that I did where I'm so stern-faced. See, the reason why I took the picture like that is because... So often, every single picture that I take is always the exact same expression. So I figure, hey, for better or for worse, I'm going to take a break from the monotonous smile and uh, let's just go with like a neutral or, or even like a stern face. Let's just go for it. So that's why. Changing it up. Changing it up. Why not break the monotony? So... All right, we got it out. And that's good enough, it's good enough. Okay, let's make sure the link works, you know, gets people to where they need to be getting to. Yeah, all right, fantastic, very good. Very, very good. All right, that's great. So yeah, you got to see, because I was just, I was thinking to myself, I was thinking about the old shows that I used to do, and I would just leave the microphone recording while I would manage things with the channel and stuff, and then as the show took on that more, I tried to make it more like a fast radio show, I would just stop and cut it out, but I figure, now that I just like doing these long format shows for fun, yeah, why not, just let it, let it roll. Let it just do its thing. So that's exactly what we're doing. Alright, so we got that done. And then what I might do later on... I don't know. This one is always iffy. Instagram and the community tab for the channel itself. Now see, the community tab, I'll tell you why I really... I'm not a fan of using it that much. See, here's here's the deal. Here's the deal. When it comes down to the community tab of the channel, which it's supposed to be something that like lets all your subscribers know for an announcement or something, it's a good way to promote something, but I really, I used to use it all the time when the comments on the community tab didn't show up on the same page that the comments for videos show up on. 
and it was like its own self-contained thing, because I like keeping the two separate, because I like seeing what people think about the videos, and I like seeing what people maybe think about those posts, but I don't like having all these comments mixed together, because then it's tough to keep track of one or the other, because they all got mixed in the same space. So now I just don't really use it anymore, because it's just too... That feature is too detrimental to any other productivity, so I just say, forget it. You know, hey, if I take the loss, I take the loss. And, um... <laughs> yeah, just not a fan. But I, I might I might bite the bullet and do it this time around, maybe just get it up to... I'll get it to the Instagram eventually, get that done, but... That's what we're doing. So anyway... First things with second things... Second, I guess, at this point. We have a good amount of feedback. Good amount of emails, good amount of um, listener correspondence, which is going to be great. There's a good amount of discussion coming up later in the show. Uh, of, of which the variety of it is always... It's always fantastic. Because I always just like seeing that, I don't know, the diverse responses. Because it's just all these topics, you know, that would just never come to mind otherwise. So I'm always a big fan of that. I'm a big, big supporter of it. That's why I always encourage it, you know, especially in these types of shows. Uh, because it's just a lot of fun. So that's the first thing. Um, but in the meantime, just a couple miscellaneous points and stuff that's uh, worth discussing. Now, number one, in terms of current events, see, one interesting thing, and, you know, one news channel that I always follow, some people can say what they will, but I've just always been a fan. I just like what he does. I like his style. He, uh, he just does a good job. Steve Luckner. He does agenda-free TV, and I'm just a fan of what he does. But he said this the other day, and I agree with him. He made a good point. Where he was saying that he largely focuses on breaking news. That's the whole point of his channel, usually. Uh, now, yeah, he'll focus on established stories, but... Again, largely he tries to be a breaking news channel and to get on stories and try to give the type of coverage that you might not see on the mainstream media networks, which is great. I'm all for independent um, journalism, etc. Nothing wrong with it. Sometimes you get sick of all these conglomerates owning everything, and uh, it's always good to see someone going their own way, doing their own thing, and um, more power, more power to those... Uh, those folks who do that. But he was even saying that as the, the, the coronavirus pandemic really has, um, you know, expanded, that is all that's in the news. And there's not that many stories otherwise that are, um, are, are different. I mean, there's a couple here and there, but nothing... You know, every single story is pretty much about uh, the coronavirus. Now, personally, I am a fan of... I would prefer every story to be about the coronavirus 
than every story to only be about um, U.S. politics. Because that, oh gosh, that drove me crazy. Because when I would always check the news, and it would just be about U.S. politics, and I thought to myself, God, it's really like the rest of the world doesn't exist. It's like they really don't. But at least the coronavirus is a global issue, so there's kind of no way around it. So I'm glad that, you know, the situations in other countries do get reported on. But, you know, for instance, let's just check. Let's go back over here. Get back to the computer and check the news. See, so the top story. Okay. Coronavirus, number one talking about whether or not it came from the lab in Wuhan. Second story, this is on Google News, by the way. Second story, um, California Governor Gavin Newsom modifying the stay-at-home order this week, you know, coronavirus. Number three, um, you know, the I, I already talked about this in the show, uh, about how the models predict the death toll to double by June. So that's... The third story, the fourth one, um, which is good, an international story. Um, millions of Italians return to work as coronavirus lockdown eases. Number five, Andrew Cuomo outlines New York's four-phase coronavirus reopening. And the sixth top story, coronavirus Illinois updates. Here's what's happening. Then you go back to uh, U.S. news. Let's just count. Coronavirus, coronavirus coronavirus, and coronavirus. World news. There's an interesting story about Saudi Arabia and the oil prices. Okay. This one says billions could live in extreme heat zones within decades, I would imagine, due to climate change. I would I would wager Florida would probably be in one of those extreme heat zones without um without a doubt. Let's check. Let's see, does it say or does it not? Well no, I guess not. It says but the researchers said that by twenty seventy alright, twenty seventy, well I guess that is within decades, but when they say within decades I kinda think like twenty fifty or so, but twenty seventy Extreme heat zones, such as, you know, like the Sahara is today, say it would encompass a larger part of Africa, as well as parts of India, the Middle East, South America, Southeast Asia, and Australia. And then I suppose that takes into account global population increase, so that's, that's why. Okay. And let's see... Let's see what else we got, if anything. There's that... At the Dow Futures, okay. Let's go and see if there's any good science news. Okay. Alright, and then health news, obviously, all about the coronavirus, that makes sense. You know, see, the reason why I think that there's so much coronavirus news, and it makes sense completely, well, I mean, because there's so much. There's so much, 
See, the coronavirus impacts daily life in every regard, and it just makes its way to other events. That's why there's so much coronavirus-related news. But, I mean, like last night, in terms of North Korea, I know we've been talking about them in every single show, but I think that they're interesting. And see, I think that North Korea is an interesting break, right, from the virus. But North Korea, last night there was some news, very briefly, it was just one of those things that I think ended up being a non-issue, and this happens from time to time, but originally the story caught a lot of people's attention when they said North Korea and South Korea exchange gunfire across the DMZ. Ooh. Now, that conjures up, like, again, when you hear that, I mean, to me anyway, when they say they're exchanging gunfire, I'm envisioning these soldiers, you know, like in these very highly fortified positions with automatic weapons, machine guns uh, on both sides, and they're just, you know, like a hail of gunfire going across, you know. That's what I envision. (laughs) But in reality... It wasn't anything like that. What happened was some guys in North Korea were, I guess, you know, having their guard duty. And then one of them accidentally fired two shots, which is a very costly mistake to make. And uh, I don't know if we'll ever be hearing from that person or ever ever seeing him again. Um, But, you know, accidentally fired two shots across the border. And the, the two shots hit... A South Korean guard post. So South Korea returned fire with a few warning shots and blasted a warning message across the, um, you know, these loudspeakers. And that was it. And then, you know, they picked up the phone, they contacted the North Korean military, and they kind of said, hey, yo, you know, why did you guys do that? What's, uh, what's going on? What's up with that? And that's it. So, so much for World War Three happening uh, last night. But that was about it in terms of, of the news. But yeah, I mean, I understand. Sometimes it can get a bit monotonous, but the virus still interests me. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, because it's just, it impacts everything in one way or another. It really does. It just works its way into every situation, every story, you name it. So there's that. I know there was some severe weather that hit the Nashville, Tennessee area the other day. Although that really didn't get into the news. It wasn't in the national news or anything because I uh, didn't really hear about it. I just, I had a feeling that there was something going on when I was scanning around on the shortwave and one of the stations from Nashville that I'll listen to from time to time I don't really listen to them as much. Like, some people rave about them and say they're the best station on the shortwave, but I don't know. They're okay, you know, but I wouldn't say the best. Uh, WTWW. Maybe it's just because I can't get a good signal, I don't know. But, uh, they weren't on the air, and, you know, they're right in the Nashville area, and usually when these stations go off the air, it's usually weather-related. And sure enough, I saw that they were, like, Uh, Over 100,000 people without power in uh, Davidson County, Tennessee, which is the Nashville area. 
And I believe it was just due to some severe storms, no tornadoes or anything, but... There was a video that I saw that was pretty scary. Because, like, I guess... See, this is the thing about severe weather. There's some storms that just come out of nowhere. And it's like you really didn't have any time to prepare. Whereas in other situations... You, you had all day to know this was coming, right? For instance, I think it was last week or so, there was this one cold front, a strong cold front, that was going to sweep across Florida. And it was being talked about on the news like four days in advance, saying uh, the National Weather Service has issued an advisory saying that uh, there's that potential for severe weather, um, make sure you plan accordingly, you know, we're just going to uh, track this, etc., right? And you are given such advance notice that, okay, there's going to be some potentially severe storms coming in, uh, and you get to time it out, you know, okay, Thursday morning around 6 a.m. is when they're going to roll through, I'm just not going to, you know, I'm just going to take that into account. So you are up to date, I mean, you know when this is going to happen. But there's other times where they just say, okay, um, scattered thunderstorms, um, maybe strong to severe, but that's it. And especially here in Florida, you know, one minute you're in an area, it's sunny, then the clouds just start to build, and then 15 minutes later there's a torrential downpour. Alright, so certain things can happen, and there was this video that I saw from Nashville that was showing, I guess they were construction workers that were working on top of this, on top of the roof of some house they were building. And I guess they were right on the roof as this storm hit. And there were some strong winds and, you know, just sweeping bands of torrential rain and lightning. And I saw, I guess someone else was filming these guys, you know, from a, from a neighboring house. And there were these three guys on top of the roof there that were just caught in it and they were just trying to find anything to grab onto and not get blown away and you know not get swept off because I mean they were probably 20-25 feet up you know they could easily might have survived if they fell but could have broken bones you know who knows could have died depends on where they landed so I was I was thinking at first that uh, you know wow it was really I mean really scary I'm glad they made it but uh, it seems like, given that, they they really must have been caught off guard by it, you know? It seems like the storm must have just came out of nowhere, and they were just doing their work. They were uh, working on this, and they just got blindsided by it. But then I saw all these comments from people who were saying, these guys are just complete morons. And, uh, you know, we had advance notice of this all day long, and they were still there. They could have just went down into the rafters or whatever and just waited it out for 15 minutes and then, you know, gotten back to their work when it was safe to do so. So, I don't know. It was a crazy video either way. Glad they made it out, but... No, I mean, whether you have advance notice or not, I guess if you're a storm chaser, that's different, but for anyone else, um, getting caught in a severe storm is no fun. <laughs> no fun. Could be fun to watch, but you know, albeit safely. But if you're just out for a walk or if you're out in nature or something and you don't have adequate means to protect yourself, I would wager most people wouldn't really want to be 
exposed to such things. Now, what got me about the, the video, though, and I've seen this happen before, I mean, it, it does happen, is just how incredibly, incredibly fast the storm intensified, how quick it just went from just a cloudy sky, and I imagine the people filming, they must have seen it coming, they must have been looking at the weather radar or something. They must have seen these guys working on the roof, and they must have figured, oh god, and just grabbed the camera. <laughs> thought, hey, maybe we got the viral video potential here, or whatever, maybe something to show the local news, or whatever. Because the video is a couple minutes long, and it starts out uh, where it's just cloudy, like it's overcast. And, you know, you do see in the distance everything looks a little hazy. And you know that's not fog rolling in, that's the heavy rain coming in. But then, like 15 seconds later the rain just starts, and it's not like a drizzle, you know, it just starts coming down. And then about 10 seconds after the heavy rain begins, then it starts just becoming an absolute great deluge, and you have the wind that moves in as well, and that's when it gets gets very dangerous. But it is interesting how some storms, it just intensifies so quickly, and it goes, you know, like, like the saying goes, it just goes from zero to 100 in, in no time, no time at all. Yeah, just talking. Just, uh, just having some miscellaneous talk. So we'll get to a few more random topics, and then we'll just open up the mailbag, get to some feedback, some correspondence, and we'll, uh, we'll call it a day. You're listening to VORW International, the voice of the report of the week, and any feedback, if you're listening, is welcome, VORW. I-N-F-O at gmail.com Okay. Sip of water. That's taken care of. We'll go for a second sip while we're at it. Alright, two for good luck. So, this discussion, what I want to talk about next, anyway, is going to be a little more multifaceted. Uh, in that it's going to be two very different topics, uh, not really that you're going to connect together, because that's incorrect. And that they're they're very very <laughs> loosely tied together, okay? Very loosely, but they can be. That's the important part. That there will be a transition rather seamlessly um, between just a short viewpoint on mask wearing uh, in the coronavirus pandemic to ants that's a n t sometimes the word you know ants ant ant creatures ant bugs insects ants you know those little all the ants that they crawl around and you know those types not the familial aunt as i always say for differentiation but, yeah, mask wearing and ants. So, yeah, we're going to connect them, though. And uh, here goes. So, uh, the other day, now, when I, when I go out, and this is how it's been probably for the last month, month and a half, I always wear a face mask when I go outside. And that's just how it is. And it's at that point now, which... I'm fine with. 
it doesn't bother me anymore like the first time because I have a couple masks you know I have the surgical masks uh, the ones with the little ear loops you know those are the comfortable ones and then you have the more the tighter ones that I try to have them for different purposes if I'm just going out and you know I don't know if I'll be in any direct contact with lots of people I'll go with the surgical mask. But if I'm going out, and if I know that I'm going to be, you know, right there with a number of people who I don't know, then I will wear one of the, like, N95 masks. You know, like, when I when I went to the dentist last week for um, my emergency root canal, which I know I talked about that to great extent on the radio show. I don't know if I did here or not. I don't think I did. But, you know, there was a dental emergency had to go in. I know I brought it up, but did that, got a crown. I have the temporary crown in my mouth as I'm recording this part. But later this week, going back in, getting the permanent crown put on and uh, everything's gonna be good yeah gonna have a tooth that's I think stronger than ever I think they even say that the the crown don't they say that it's supposed to be like stronger or at least very comparable in strength to your regular tooth so I'm gonna have a nice strong tooth in perfect shape and I'm gonna keep it that way too. That's most important. If you're given a good thing, don't waste it. Don't squander it. You know, you're given the second chance in terms of this tooth. Take good care of it, you know? Had I had taken good care of my mouth years ago, God, I'm talking like, you know, I'm aged, but I mean, it's true though, it's true. Had I have taken better care of my mouth back in, you know, 20, oh, what was it, like 2012, 2013? If I did, I wouldn't have these problems that I have now. Because I gave my mouth these issues, and then I went to the wrong person for them, very bad dentist. And, uh... Now, you know, here I am, <laughs> missing teeth, and root canals, and crowns, and other teeth that that stuff is inevitably going to happen to. Could have been avoided. Just take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. But anyway, <laughs> that was a tangent. But when I went to uh, the dentist's office then, for the emergency root canal... I wore the N95 mask when I went in. And, uh, you know, you strap it around your head, and it is a tight seal. I mean, it is tight. But, you know, it, it offers more protection. Comfort, you know, comfort is sacrificed. But... It has that seal, that's for sure. 
And I have two types of the those uh, masks. There's the standard white N95, which has the two bands. And then there's a blue one, just has, I think, one band. And that one's tight also, but it's not. It's more comfortable of the two. So I figured the standard 3M mask offers better protection. Yeah, but anyway, that's a tangent aside. So, I, I you know, I went in to uh, CVS today, kind of fast forward, you know, because I always, I go with the, the face masks whenever I go out, I go with the surgical masks, go with all that. And I'll tell you this, um, I have embraced it. I've embraced it. Do I recommend you wear a mask when you go outside? I do. Personally, I say go for it. Do whatever you do whatever you can to keep your face covered when you go outside. But that's my recommendation. I'm not going to sit here and bark orders at you and say, "Oh, if you don't uh, wear a mask, you are the spawn of Satan." <laughs> right? No, look. If you don't wear a mask, I'm not going to think of you any less as a person. It's your it's your choice. Yeah, it's your choice. If you want to wear a mask, again, I suggest you do. But if you don't, you're not you're not some despicable you know, piece of garbage or anything. So that's my view. It's like if you wear a mask, that's fine. That's great. I support it. If you don't, you know, eh, I think it would be the best if you wore one, but just be be sanitary, right? So see, what I try to do is I try to just be respectful. That's it. I don't understand the attitude that you get from some individuals. Now, I've realized this, too, from going out. This, this mindset is nowhere near as prevalent as seeing videos on the news that they like to showcase and on social media makes you think. This attitude where it's like, some people hate you for wearing a mask. And it was really interesting. Now, so far, I've never been berated. I've never been laughed at. I mean, again, when I went to CVS today, had to go in and get some supplies uh, for ants. <laughs> there's the big, there's the big transition that I kind of hinted at. We'll get to those later. We'll get to the actual need for such things later. But I had to go in, get some supplies. CVS is always a nice store. And for those of you who are international listeners, now I don't know if CVS is a thing where you are. But it's a pharmacy. You know, CVS is a very large chain here in the United States. And it has a pharmacy and a store. And that's it. You know, it's got its pharmacy, so you can get your prescription drugs. Um, but it also sells in their store a wide variety 
of other health-related and just general miscellaneous products. So you could go there and you can get some bandages or you can get, you know, some antihistamines. You can go and you can get whatever. I went and I got some temporary filling material uh, the other week, you know, when my tooth has given me problems, but never had to use it. Uh, various over-the-counter medicines, painkillers, you name it. And you could also go there and you can get snacks. You can get chips, some cookies, um, even a couple frozen pizzas, some cold drinks, some light refreshment, a.k.a. alcohol. Uh, you can go and you can get some makeup. You can, you know, get all these different things. Now, it seems like I'm making it out like some sort of utopian paradise. It has everything, right? People even, even live in the CVS in some grand, harmonious society. No, it's, no, it's a store. It's, that's all there is to it. But it's a nice one. And I always like CVS because it's never too packed. Not a lot of people there. And, most importantly, it's on the smaller side. Now, you see, one thing that I'm really not a fan of, and I notice these quite a bit, especially in New York, well... Some of, like, the home improvement stores did the hardware stores. But over here you have these giant Walmarts. These giant supermarkets. And all of these stores are so massive. They're so intimidating. I, you know, now it's good to have a lot of variety, but I, I for one, don't like them. And it's for a selfish reason. And it's not like this attitude where, I don't like it, get rid of it. No, you know, it's fine. I just don't like the big box stores personally, because they're a very, very intimidating sight. And I don't know, just the way these shelves tower over you, and the bright fluorescent lights shining down, how cold it is on the inside, how many people there are, and it's... It legitimately gets the anxiety going, and I go in there, and I just get me out, get me out. I want to go in, get everything done as fast as possible, in and out, as quick, as quick as as quick as can be. And that doesn't lead to productive shopping, because I always forget something. And so then I've just, especially with the pandemic. I've just kind of given up on that, and I just get um, delivered, get the groceries delivered, and I just disinfect everything. But uh, at these, you know, smaller places, it's just good. If you need something real quick, just go in, go out. You know, places like CVS are uh, are easy to uh, to do that with. Much more manageable, best way to put it. So anyway, uh, I went in to get the supplies, and I had gloves, eye protection, and the um, N95. But, you know, when I go in, 
sometimes it's like they they portray this public attitude like everyone is either for masks or against masks and there's this divide between the anti-mask wearers and the pro-mask wearers and you know they make you think there's bloodshed in the streets or something and that's not the case there's one isolated incident in michigan where some guy killed a security guard who told him he needed to wear a mask but well let's be real the person was just an out-of-control criminal and uh had other issues it wasn't just some guy that you know hated the the masks and whatnot he, he, he said the mask wearing was no motivation for the killing whatsoever it was just because um he threatened me <laughs> you know that's just one of those but that's what prompted it that confrontation it wasn't really what it was about it was just the fact that it's just how it happens how it happens but anyway so I go in wearing all my stuff look over the cashier is there he's behind this wall of glass and he has on one of the nice one of the real nice uh, surgical masks one of the ones that you actually like a, a real surgical grade surgical mask one of the ones that you tie behind your head and um he was wearing one of those there were a couple other customers there everyone kept their distance and they all had their n95 masks and gloves and all of that there was one older guy there with a surgical mask and there was one guy that came in well with nothing no mask nothing it was fine everyone was everyone was fine everyone was pleasant you know kind of navigating through this craziness but it's not like i was there and oh all of a sudden this guy without a mask comes in and um slams me up against the wall and uh um whatever beats me up or something no no he was he did his thing i did my thing no big deal no one was laughing at each other. No one was hurling insults at each other. All all us mask wearers in the store didn't gang up on him and uh, berated him or anything. No. We just went about our business like it was any other day. Albeit a little different, but retained our civility. So, number one, the issues, and I think the, the perhaps the divide... In opinion between wearing masks and not and the attitudes and they make you think that you go out and if you wear one you're gonna get attacked by this side and if you don't you're gonna get attacked by that side no it's like people just want to live their lives that's it there's a few loud mouths here and there but that that is not the majority of people but anyway so I did my thing, and um, it just got me thinking while I was looking around for the product, and I was looking around seeing, you know, just what the, what everyone was wearing in terms of PPE. And uh, I was looking around, and that's when my mind kind of wandered a little bit. And I was just thinking, the opposition toward wearing uh, personal protective equipment in this pandemic is not anything new. 
It's not like it just happened last week uh, when some guy made a, a viral Facebook post about it or something. It's not. That's not the case. As a matter of fact, it's it was it's absolutely fascinating how it changed. Where many of the people very early on who may have been opposed to wearing masks are wearing them right now and are very likely strong advocates of it. So it's kind of funny how that changed. Because very early on in the pandemic, we're talking January, February, etc., uh, mass wearing was not common here in the U.S. And this also goes for, uh, I would say, much of the world with exceptions to, oh, I'd say, China, East Asia, uh, Southeast Asia. And then, you know, as the outbreak began spreading in Italy, then Italy, of course. But, you know, in February, early March... People didn't think it was a big deal. No one here was really wearing a mask. So it was just, no one really was. And then for a while, maybe you remember this, uh, there was an attitude that was going around saying, if you wear a mask, you're overreacting, and you have no reason to. You're overreacting, the virus isn't here yet. Um, it's not an issue, and you need to save the the PPE for the first responders and the doctors who uh, might need them. And uh, that's, you know, where I would hear people saying, oh yeah, I went out wearing my mask. And, uh, and this was largely among the prepper community who was saying this. And uh, even, I remember even like the Alex Jones types were even recommending very early on telling people you need to get masks, you need to wear masks, um, this thing's going to hit hard and you got to be ready for this, etc. And I remember some people uh, there were saying, yeah, I went out with my mask on and some people were uh, making fun of me and saying uh, that I shouldn't be wearing it and should give it to the doctors instead, right? This is early February. But then, right, as time changed, and the virus got that foothold in the rest of the world, and then just exploded here in the U.S., uh, that attitude changed. And while there's still opposition to wearing masks is different now, it's quite different, where now you have, you know, many of those people who at first opposed wearing masks, uh, now they wear them. And most people in society do at this point. And it's advocated by the government. It's um, promoted by many health officials. Sometimes it's even legally required at this point that you, you can't legally go outside without wearing a mask. So now the people who um, berate others for wearing a mask... I don't understand this argument. That's it. I don't understand it. It's it's like... Now, I disagree with both of them, mind you. I disagreed with the argument against masks early on. You know, because I, I said, well... 
I think that this is an imminent uh, threat. At that time, early on, I also had a persistent cough. And hell, I don't know, did I have the, the coronavirus back then? Did I? I don't know. If I could get an antibody test, I would love to take one. I'd love to know if I have the COVID antibodies or not. Because in March or so, I had this cough that just would not go away. I was tired sometimes. I was sleeping like 16 hours. I don't know. Maybe I was just sick. Maybe it was just bad allergies. Maybe it was the virus. But back then, I wasn't taking chances, so I was wearing a surgical mask if I had to go out. Uh, so as not to cough, you know, and and if it was the virus, I didn't want to risk the spread of contaminant. Who knows what uh, what all that was about. But, you know, back then I was saying, no, I refute those arguments. Because, number one, for my health, for the health of others, I want to wear one. Um, but also, in case I don't have it, and now my lungs aren't in good shape, uh, I do want to protect myself. You know, and... In terms of the, the argument about the first responders, I understand that. I respect that. I want the doctors to have enough um, equipment. I want the EMTs to. I want all of the essential workers to make sure that they've got enough masks. But I'm not going to go overboard with this. I'm not going to buy 10,000 N95 masks and pile them all up in boxes inside a room and just sit on top of it like it's a throne or something, you know. No, I'm just gonna buy a tiny handful, just enough to enough to last me and that's it. Nothing more than is essential. And then, you know, look, if, if anything happens and I don't need them anymore, I'll be glad to donate them. Give them to the hospitals, whoever needs them. There's nothing wrong with that. So those arguments I refuted. And, you know, that came from a different group than where the current ones are coming from. And it makes no sense to me. It's almost incomprehensible. It's like... Now they say that if you go out wearing a mask, that, what do they say, you're, a, you're weak, that you're a pussy, that you're, what else do they say? That, that you're impressionable and you're under the control of the media. I don't understand the, the argument. I, I really don't. Now, no one's ever come up to me and ever said any of that, but what I see online, you have some people who, who have those attitudes. It's like, no, I'm, I'm just wearing the mask because I want to keep myself healthy. That's it. I'm not I'm not wearing one to try to send a message. I'm not wearing one because I feel entitled and better than everyone else and oh, I just I have to show the world um how good I am by wearing a mask. No. I'm wearing them because we're in the midst of a pandemic and I just want to I want to try to keep myself healthy. I still don't even know what I had last month I just I don't want to I don't want to take any chances that's it and I don't want to get it and most importantly if I get it I do not want to spread it to anyone else so that's why I wear one and that's why I'm going to keep wearing one probably till there's a vaccine 
as a, you know, personal note that isn't relevant to the argument's sake, I enjoy wearing them. Uh, number one, I like the way they look. I, I really like the pleats on the surgical masks. It's, oh God, that's so, it's so cool. They look, they look great. Um, I like the feeling that it has on my face, which just adds this little bit of warmth because I get cold very, very easily. And you might be saying, in Florida? You, yes, I do. I just don't have, I don't know, just don't, don't stay warm that easily. I, yes, I do. I get cold. I'm cold right now. Cold. I feel tip of my nose is like ice. My toes are like ice. My fingers are cold. And uh, I don't know. It's like 80 degrees outside. So <laughs> considering that, having the mask over my face, it just really helps and just keeps it nice and warm and comfortable. And it's like it's got a nice little blanket on it. And, um, yeah, that, that really, it really works. It works out. So those are just some of the personal, you know, reasons as to why I like wearing them. So, uh, those are just some of the reasons, but to me, it's like the people who make these arguments are assuming by default that you are this, 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 and this. It's like, it seems to me... That it's just like this, almost in as, a, as an excuse to get angry, to get upset. And uh, it's just, it's an excuse to, I don't know, to just yell at someone. To just point your finger at someone and say, this is your fault. You shouldn't be wearing this. You know, whatever, just to try to get in someone's face, start a confrontation. Like the other argument against wearing masks early on at least had merit. Uh, disagreeable, yes, but it still had merit. This one, it just... So I compare it. Alright, don't wear a mask because the virus isn't um, spreading to the US yet, because medical workers depend on it, etc. Versus don't wear a mask because you're weak. Don't wear a mask because you're a pussy. Don't wear a mask um, because you're some, uh, because you're an uptight, pretentious, who feels, uh, you know, entitled to wear one or something. It's something about virtue signaling, I think. And, uh, and also saying, uh, don't wear one because I'm not afraid of any any virus. Yeah. But then again, all of these things... Alright, don't wear one because I'm not afraid of a virus. Well, then don't be afraid of it. That's fine. I don't care. Then If you're not afraid of it, you're not afraid of it. I'm just going to wear my mask. As, I don't think that's hurting anyone. It's not harming anyone. I'm the center. I, I don't I don't get all my media from one source on the left or from the right. I just I look at them all and come to my own views and that's it. And I just try to believe in common sense. And common sense dictates that I'm able to wear this mask and I'm not I'm not causing harm to anyone. It's not like I have a surgical mask 
with a swastika painted on it or some sort of racial slur written on the side of it or just all sorts of inflammatory or derogatory messages, right? No, it's just a mask. I'm minding my own business. I'll leave everyone else alone. Not hurting anyone. It's like, I just don't understand. I, I'm just not... I don't know, I just don't... I don't feel like I'm doing anything wrong. Again, it's like the first time, while I disagree with it, I understand how some people might think you're doing something you shouldn't be doing by wearing one. But the second time that's recently come about is a so... Uh, it's silly. It's silliness, that's all. If you don't wear a mask, you don't wear a mask. It's no big deal. It's like, look, do I, do I advise you to wear one? And I think you should? Yeah, I do. And if you say, no, I just don't want to, well, then fine. Cause we could still be friends. It doesn't bother me. Yeah, no biggie. It's still great to have you as a listener. Still great to have you tuned in. Hey, you know, have a little bit of a disagreement there in terms of views. It's okay. You're all welcome here. You're all welcome. Just because you have one view about the, ma the mask wearing or not doesn't mean I hate you. I don't. You're welcome here. Don't even worry about it. But, uh, I mean, that's just what it comes down to. Something that kind of goes over my head and I just see all this debate about wearing masks. Sometimes I just think, do we have better things to fight over? I don't know. And really, I think that sums up my thoughts on it. We have our disagreements, but sometimes, you know, it's just the, the hostility. That's what, that's what gets me. But anyway, sometimes I just think, Maybe yeah, if we want to fight, I think there's better things to to argue about than this. But anyway, um, there has been a little bit of a you know a time jump. It's um, certainly more recent, you know, to the date that this is going to be uploaded, which I'm sure is going to be very soon. But the remainder of this show has been um, recorded the early hours of uh, Friday. Friday the. I don't know, I don't even have a calendar near me, it's, I don't know, is it Friday the 8th, I think, Friday the 8th of uh, May, it's either Friday the 8th or Friday the, I think it's Friday the 8th, I'm going to take the leap, and that's what we're going to go with, now, regardless of any sort of time jump, I haven't forgotten about the ants, so, you know, that's what we're going to go into right next, into next, right, <laughs> yeah, and, um, I'm going to talk about that, then uh, have a little little brief uh, discussion maybe on some radio stuff, and then we're just going to open up the mailbag and um, get to some of that, so some good stuff. Got some good letters and emails and all of that. And uh, first things first, something that's kind of fresh in my mind since I last recorded anything, was, uh, and, and it's a point that I reinforced, or I guess didn't reinforce, but talked about, in, um, well, in, maybe in this show. I know I've talked about it in past videos and, um, broadcasts and all that. 
one line that I've said over and over is do what you want providing it isn't hurting or harming anyone and it's something that I stand by you know in my opinion uh, you should have the freedom to be able to live your life the the caveat again providing that you you're not hurting or harming anyone meaning you can't just go and kill someone and say yeah but i'm just doing what i want review bra you know it's and you should probably be a civil individual and have respect for law and order in my opinion i just try not to be one of those controlling types live your life this way live your life that way do this don't do that you have to look this way and act this way and think this way and then before you know it are you even an individual anymore you know it's you should have that that freedom to be able to be be your own person so anyway that's just my my ideology but it's within reason and common sense let common sense dictate sometimes i look at the world and i don't mean for this to be some sort of rant yeah because it's not the goal but sometimes you know i just i look at things now these have always been issues this isn't some sort of new newfound degradation of things although i sometimes think that social media certainly it well the internet and social media has its positives and its negatives right everything does everything has a benefit and a drawback course social media that instantaneous communication it goes both ways sometimes for good sometimes for bad sometimes for things you really don't know what to make of but either way sometimes you see things especially you know sometimes i really think that there's a difference between seeing something with your own two eyes in the physical world versus seeing something as a picture or video or whatever sometimes i think some very reprehensible behavior when we're just looking at it through a video screen and there's not that direct connection and you can't really say you were there and that you you fully took it in um sometimes the the impact of it be that good or bad is uh is lessened again i think i think that's another thing it goes both ways and i just said bad videos for the example's sake but good ones too i really i really truly believe that physically being or experiencing something certainly more impactful in some ways and that goes for both the good and the bad and i'm not going to go into this in depth because it's um not something i even I, I don't want to divulge the details of it but it's disgusting and it was just something that i happened to see i you know it was just i was going home from the dentist the other day i went and i got the permanent crown done i know i mentioned i might have mentioned that earlier that i had the temporary one in but you know now it's later in the week i got the permanent crown put in looking good feels good really smooth 
procedure. You know, that, that wasn't the issue. That was top-of-the-line work. It's great. Have a, have a nice good tooth now. With um, no worries or any of that. I can't get over how smooth it is, too. It's fantastic. So that's not the issue. It was when I was going home, through the dentist, you know, you have to, got to drive through the city. And, uh, of course, you, you, you've, you've already seen this stuff, especially if you're in a city, and you see the grit, and you see the grime, and you see all the, all the stuff that there is to see, the good and the bad. And, um, especially having spent a lot of time in New York, in the New York area, I've seen a lot of crap. But, still, when you see it again, just fills, it fills you with disgust, pure and total disgust. And I'm not gonna, it's just something that I happened to see just through the car passing by, but it was just disgusting. And all those days, there was an individual that was out there, a guy, and uh, the things that he, <laughs> the things that he did, and the things that, the impacts that it was having on other individuals, if, if I were law enforcement, I very, very easily would have arrested him and and charged him and would have ensured uh, that he would be marked and labeled as a registered sex offender for the rest of his life. Rightfully so. And the fact that some people out there would actually have the gall to defend and back up actions such as his is equally as disgusting and reprehensible. And you know, it's just, it's just the way that it is. Sometimes you don't mean to see these things, you don't mean to it's just, <laughs> you look around and there, there this is. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't jade you when you already know that this stuff happens, but it's still, it's, it's reality. You know, you're just reminded <laughs> of it. And uh, it's, the rest of that day was just thrown away, pretty much. Bad people, that's all you can say, bad people out there. There's plenty of them, and look, you know, some people, they have their issues, they have, uh, of course, it could be severe mental illness, could be influence of hard drugs, etc. Perhaps knowing what the causative uh, factor might have been, maybe that'll play a role in recovery, and maybe if it's possible... Uh, reformation, rehabilitation, making sure it doesn't happen again, but it still doesn't change what was done. Ah, uh, well, bad people. What can you say? Bad people. So, it was just a point that I needed to, to bring, bring up. But, um, I know it may have, you know, may have brought up some questions, but I'm not going to answer any. Don't want to, and, uh, not going to talk about it ever again. This is VORW, now on to, uh, oh, what a change of topics, on to uh, a lighter one, on to ants at that. So, here's what we have to say about ants. Ants are an interesting subject. No, they really are. I'm not just saying that. Of course, they are important, to the ecosystem, to the environment uh, that they are, are in, usually. They're fascinating how, number one, you have all these different 
types of ants, how it can depend from one location to the next, and this communal aspect that they they all work together uh, for the you know for the the common good of the colony, right? And you have the different you have the worker ants, and then sometimes you have the soldier ants, and you have the queen. And they have these little roles that they do, and they just they they some of them scavenge around, and and then what's always the craziest thing. If you ever see a number of ants, you know, gathered around some, either something to, to eat or something that they want to, they're all gathered around it, and sometimes they'll all work together to even move something. They are fascinating to watch, I'll tell you. I could understand why, you know, the little, what do they call them, the ant farms? Why those remain popular, because it's, indeed, it is fascinating to watch, to watch them. Um, but granted, in an environment where, say, they don't really belong, such as where you live, uh, they can prove to be a nuisance as well. Now, for me, in terms of ants, if they want to live outside, I don't care. Let them have their colonies and do whatever they want to do. I don't care. Um, but of course, when they come inside and disrupt various things, then that's an issue. And the other day, I had a run-in with a type of ant that I had never seen before, never dealt with before. And I will say they make a formidable challenger. Because, you know, in New York, the ants that I would usually have to deal with are carpenter ants, I believe they are. Um, maybe that's not the name for them, I don't know. That's what I always called them. That's what I always thought of them to be. But they were these ants, and they were black. And they were on the larger side. They weren't the small ones. They were black. They didn't really move fast. They were just totally black. They were larger. And uh, normally I would see them living in trees or, or like stumps or wood or something. or Sometimes under rocks. But normally those would be the ones that I would see. These black, larger ants. Sometimes they would be inside and you have to get rid of them and all that stuff. Now in Florida, home of many, many, many sorts of various creatures, ants included, uh, there's different types. And the one type of ant that gets all the attention uh, are the fire ants. That's what everyone talks about, uh, the fire ants. But these aren't fire ants. To, to tell you the truth, I've never had an issue with fire ants. Not that I don't have a problem with them, but I've just never, they've never given me any trouble. But the type of ants that I saw the other day, uh, they are, they are a challenge, but was able to get it taken care of. But they are, they are tough. And they are called ghost ants. And already the name, the name sounds interesting. Ghost ants, that's the name of them. But my goodness, they are, uh, they are interesting, I'll tell you that. And here, here's what makes them so challenging. And for any people that kind of fear the creepy crawlies, which maybe would make them into <laughs> nightmare fuel or whatever you want to call it, is they're called ghost ants for a reason. Not because they're, you know, like, uh, they're not white or anything, you know, like a ghost or something, no. 
Number one, they are tiny. Not microscopic, but they are very small. And they are not outright visible to the naked eye. See, that's the issue. Now, that's not to be confused with dust mites or any of that stuff. But the ghost ants are so small that when you look at a surface or you look at something, you look at a wall, you look at the floor, you will not see them until you step closer, pay attention, and you see these things moving. So number one, they are small. Now, in terms of color, they're kind of like almost transparent. So that's the other thing. Number one, they're small, but number two, they're like this transparent color. They're kind of, they're, they are on the clear side. Yeah, clear ants, who would have thought? But they have this little bit of like a yellowish brown hue to them. But they're small and they're semi-transparent and they move fast. They are fast little things. They scurry around quick. And that's what makes them so tough. And on surfaces, whereupon you won't notice them immediately, all of a sudden you look and you see this movement and you, you realize, oh my gosh, there's ants. And I had never even seen them until now because they're so difficult to see. So that's, that's what's always the toughest thing. So then whenever you feel an itch, you're always paranoid because is it, is it one? Is it not? How would I know? I can't even see them. But anyway, I was able to nip it in the bud, so to speak. And it's a tactic that requires patience. It requires patience. And it could be intimidating at first, but it really, after I did this, it solved the issue. And it was, it was, it was intimidating, but it, it did, it took care of it. Because for a couple days, I was just seeing a couple pop up here and there. I couldn't figure out where they were coming from. You know, they're so tiny and there weren't enough of them to, you know, try to, try to see or whatever. But the other day, I had left something out on the counter. Now that's where I went wrong. But maybe again, that kind of helped me, that helped me out at the end, but it was a short-term mistake, but it led to a long-term solution. And I left something out on the counter, forgot about it, and a couple hours later, revisit it, and I see this flurry of movement. Oh, shoot. Here we go again. But this time, instead of just a couple, this was a good amount of them. So clearly, they had to have come from somewhere. The scouts must have realized that there was food, and then they must have marked a trail back to where their colony was. And then they just sent in the hordes of them to get the food. Now, instinctively, when you see this, you just want to get the spray, you know, and spray it down, get rid of them on site, get rid of them on the spot, and uh, call it a day. Spray that counter down, wipe it down, and, you know, hope that gets rid of them. Now, see, that's what I wanted to do at first. Because it was, you know, you don't like seeing all these ants all, all on this thing. That's what I wanted to do at first. But, if you do that, 
Is that going to solve the problem? Well, maybe. But if they have a way in, it's just going to scatter them. And it's not going to stop the flow. They're just going to keep coming in and they're going to give you another issue. So, what I decided to do, and I said, well, that comes later. Yes, of course I'm going to spray them. Of course, I'm, I'm not just going to say, yeah, let them, let them have uh, control of the place. Why not? Let's just give it up to the, the ghost ants. Maybe I could train them and, uh, you know, kind of command them as like a little mini army and, you know, get the ghost ants to go and find, you know, loose change or something and just bring that in every now and then, you know, maybe we could do that and make it work, but alas, that never came to be, and, um, no, of course, that, that comes later, but what I decided to do is I figured, you know, I'm just going to take care of this once and for all, since they obviously have a way in, and there's enough of them that it's clear that there's a continuous trail, so I'm going to get a very, very bright light and follow the trail. I don't care how long it goes, I'm going to follow it and let them take me to the source. So, instead of killing them on the spot, I followed them, all right, saw where they were congregated on the, the counter, followed them going down one of the legs of it to the floor, and at least they were, they were kind enough not to be, like, scattered everywhere. It was an organized trail. It was, like, a tightly, tightly organized mini highway but it's not like they were scattered everywhere they were they they kept to their little lanes it was kind of funny how it was they just stayed on path they did not verge from that at all under any circumstances which is interesting but um you know looked the uh you know all right followed them on the floor kept going followed them the door then they went into the garage then followed them across the garage then followed them up to one of the outer walls to where there was a small little crack i looked at the crack then i thought well now this means one of two things either perhaps they are living they could be living in the wall they could be living under it or they could be outside and coming in through that. And I went outside, went to the other side of the wall, looked, and I did see that they were coming in through a crack on one side of it, then kind of just passing through like a tunnel, and then going in. So with that, I decided, okay, know exactly where they're coming from now. So first thing I did then, I when, when I realized that, then I sprayed everything down, sprayed down the counter, sprayed down the entire path, sprayed down the crack interior, sprayed down a little crack on the exterior, sprayed down everything else. Then I got a uh, material that, you know, seals those cracks, sealed both of those up. And then once that was done, that's when I got the ant bait which is when I had to run to the store and I also got some more spray and stuff. And there's two different types and there's one company that I stand by because I've always had good results with them. And that's Tero, T-E-R-R-O. 
And there's stuff just, I don't know, the ants, they like it, right? Uh, kind of like, like uh, in the movie Idiocracy with Brondo, it's what plants crave. Well, I guess tarot, it's what ants crave, because it seems to be the case. They do, uh, they like it. And put out the little outdoor, these little outdoor kind of bait things that kind of put around the, uh, just the cracks and stuff on the outside. And I have these indoor ones that help as well, so... After doing all of that, it's been a good number of days now, and I haven't, and I've been scouring it. You know, it's not like, oh, I did this, and I'm never going to look again, and hey, I ignore it, and it'll go away, and I can't see them that well, so forget it. But I've been looking around, and no, I haven't, it hasn't happened since, and I haven't seen any, so maybe that, uh, that worked, but you have to remain vigilant. That's the thing, I can't just say, now it's over, but. Seems like the results have been good, but, you know, it's like it'll go away forever. They'll be back. Or at least a different type will one day, but maybe this this seems to be solved, at least for the time being. Which is good. Which is good. But that's what I always recommend. If you're able to, and it's kind of intimidating at first, because, again, you just you kind of instinctively want to get rid of it right away. But the thing that just gave the best results is that if you're ever if you're ever able to, see if you could follow them. If there's a, a very good number of them, and you can follow this stream of them, or even if it's not a stream, even if it's just a couple, but if you can follow the ants and see where they came from, it's going to solve you a lot of problems, both immediately but also in the future. But again, I think so many of us were conditioned you know, we see them, we just want to smash them, or spray them, get rid of them immediately. If it's just one or two, you know, again, it's it's up to you. But when there's a good number, I just kind of, I like to watch them, figure out where they come from, get rid of it that way. Instead of just, you deal with one, then deal with another, and they just keep coming and it never stops. But you're able to just follow them, get to the source, and get that done. That's, that's just... What I recommend, because it's just worked for me. And I remember um, one time that I, I kind of employed that previously was, I guess, back in like, I think it was 2015, in New York with uh, citronella ants, which are, that's a pretty rare type. But I remember there were these citronella ants, and then there were some, I think, winged ones as well. I think they were just different types, and they, they, were coming out of this crack, but at first you couldn't tell. You were just seeing them. This was indoors. They were just, they were under the house or something, and they were coming up in the basement through this one crack. I guess the colony was, you know, and they were just hatching or whatever. And at first you couldn't tell where the heck they were coming from, because they were just, especially the winged ones, that makes it tough. They're just flying around, and I... Uh, you know, they, of course, they spread themselves quite far. You can't really figure out where they're emanating from. But eventually was able to track them down and see where the highest concentration was and then determine, all right, they're coming in through there and you just kind of do the same thing and it's never happened again. So, yeah, it's just an interesting thing. But ants, I mean, I like them. I, I find them interesting. I think they're a fascinating, um, fascinating insect. 
but they can certainly be pests if they're in the wrong place. And uh, it's just the way that I deal with them, and it's just what works for me. But that's just my, uh, <laughs> that's my, my thought, my two cents. You're listening to VORW International. If you are listening in right now, of course, as we said in the last show, and as I'll say here, uh, your feedback is most welcome. It's appreciated. And uh, any miscellaneous points of view, comments, questions, topic suggestions, etc. are all welcome. You can send them in via email to v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. Again, uh, the more the merrier. If you have any questions, topic suggestions, anything you want to share, anything going on in the news, anything that you noticed day to day that you want to contribute, or uh, did you just read something interesting? Did uh, you know you read a cool article on Wikipedia or something? Anything you want to bring up? It's fine. Welcome, v o r w i n f o at gmail dot com. And on another note, this goes back to uh, when I used to do the shows. Gosh, I guess it was twenty fourteen through twenty sixteen. Uh, it feels weird asking for this now, but I mean, I did it back then, and no one really was too upset, so it's purely up to you, but if you feel artistically motivated, and uh, if you want to make a piece of fan art, you know, let's say you're at home, you're uh, just staying isolated, whatever, don't have much to do, and if you want to make a piece of fan art for this um, podcast, for the channel, etc., I always, what I always used to do, and hey, I'll do it again if anything ever comes in, is uh, I always like having an image, especially for the YouTube version of this show, in the background. And lately I've just fallen into the habit of just using a picture of me sitting there, usually with the same expression on my face at the microphone. But uh, I'll be happy if if you do a piece of fan art, uh, I will gladly feature it as the picture. It's just a good way to get your work out. And uh, it's something, if you want to do it, I'll be happy to showcase it to the uh, viewing audience. And if you want to be credited for it, do that too. But if you want to do it, if you want to make a piece of fan art, it could be anything you want. Just uh, do whatever you want with it. It's the whole point. One of the best things about art, in my opinion. Take it in any direction you want to take it. But if you want to do a piece of fan art again, I'll uh, be happy to... uh, promote it there, showcase it, and uh, credit you if you want. If you don't, that's fine. Just let me know. But if you want to uh, submit any fan art to be featured in the broadcast, uh, all you need to do is, again, send it in via email to v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com, and uh, either send the, the, the piece as an attachment to the email, Or, uh, if you just want to upload it to uh, an image hosting site or whatever, uh, then include the link to the image in the email. And that's it. So, if you want to do that, uh, it would be be great. But if you don't, that's, (laughs) that's totally fine. So anyway, at this point in the show, I'm going to do a little segment on the shortwave. 
and then we'll get into your uh, emails and letters. And I, I figure I'll do another one of these segments because I was surprised. People, um, no one was really, you know, destroying their computer or uh, put in some sort of violent fit because I talked about radio in the last show. So why not? We'll talk about it for a couple minutes real quick. And um, then that'll be that. But, you know, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the shortwave radio. It's an international medium. Lots of uh, unique, cool stations out there. And uh, just a few updates to what's going on in the world of, of shortwave broadcasting. Um, because, you know, the medium has been in decline for a while, and there's always been changes. You've had lots of stations leaving the airwaves, changing up their format, their programs, you name it. Lots of changes, but sometimes you'll have a new station that'll come on the air, or whatever. So here's just a little bit of a recap on uh, some of the things going on in that medium of radio. And just letting people know, because I know some of you listening do have radios, or you're thinking about getting one. If, you, if you're thinking about it, I suggest you go for it, but uh, it's up to you. And that just kind of lets you know what's going on. Because I, I just follow this stuff for fun. But anyway, so... Uh, there are two new stations on the airwaves, which is good. I don't know if I would be able to receive either, either of them directly. Um, but both of them are based in Europe. But see, the thing is, is that they're lower, low power stations. And that's the, uh, that's the thing, because when it comes down to shortwave radio, it's not like you can just have a transmitter of any power and suddenly be heard, you know, crystal clear, right? Uh, it works like any other medium. The higher power the transmitter is, you know, the stronger the signal is going to be. Because you're, you're putting more electricity out there and getting that, that bigger coverage, that stronger signal, right? So obviously, if you had a signal going out at just one watt, it's not going to travel all that far. Um, you know, whereas if you had a transmitter with 100,000 watts, uh, then people are going to hear it. So see, it makes a difference. But obviously, uh, a lot of those high-power transmitters are very expensive. They're not readily available. They they cost a lot to maintain. And uh, most of the stations now just don't have the money to do that. So any new stations that usually come on the air are either using A, existing equipment, or B, uh, they have a new transmitter, but it's much lower power because that's what, you know, people can afford. So the coverage area isn't the biggest, but at least you're getting a new station, right? And one hotbed for these low-power stations. Now I'm talking by low power um, between 100 watts and maybe 10 kilowatts or 10,000 watts. And just for reference, when I get my show transmitted on the airwaves, um, most of the time, uh, I use transmitters at uh, 100,000 watts. That's the standard that I usually go with. <laughs> Although there was a time when uh, the broadcast was transmitted at 500,000 watts, 500 kilowatts. And uh, that was just done as a test transmission, just for fun. It's I could never afford something that big. Usually just the big stations like the Voice of America and the BBC, and DW, and uh, China Radio International, 
uh, are the only ones that you know use these huge transmitters. But a couple times last summer, I was on a 500 kilowatt transmitter as a test, just because this was um, for station WBCQ in Maine, where they got it's it's a long story. They got a contract with some flat Earth religious group. <laughs> Yeah, I, I know. You're probably shaking your head too, but... And they they paid for a 500,000 watt transmitter to, to use to broadcast their ministry. And they commissioned this station, WBCQ, to uh, assemble it, put it together, and, you know, use their engineers to get this religious ministry on the air that they were paying for. with Obviously, huge, deep pockets. But as uh, WBCQ was you know, setting up this huge transmitter, uh, they needed to test it and make sure that it worked. So they were just kind of playing some classic rock or whatever and some, some music. And uh, I guess someone must have suggested to them to uh, run my show as a test. So they reached out to me, said go for it, and um, a couple of my broadcasts went out on the, the 500 kilowatt transmitter. And they never told me when, but... I immediately knew when um, when that was happening, because I remember one night I was sitting there at the computer doing some work on the uh, channel, and I check my email, and all of a sudden I noticed this influx of uh, emails coming in from like the last 10 minutes. That's when I checked and I realized, oh wow, they're sending it out. And uh, it was just, you know, crystal clear reception on any, even the crappiest cheap radio crystal clear coast to coast I was hearing from people all across um, Western Europe and uh, North Africa and it was cool it just goes to show what those transmitters are capable of doing but it's a pleasure to, to do that as a test anyway but uh, you know the low power transmitters even you know aside from the mighty 500 kilowatt transmitters the, the smaller 100 watt transmitters can still get a signal out there and they're much more cost effective but anyway, like I was saying, uh, the one area of the world that's a hotbed for these low-power stations, legal stations, mind you, they're not pirates, is Europe. Um, it's just you have these stations coming up from just uh, people interested in, in doing their own thing, uh, getting entertainment independent programs out to a uh, audience. So all across Germany, uh, you have all these low-power stations coming up. You have shortwave service, which just, they rent out their airtime to, like, international broadcasters and stuff. Just, again, for mostly domestic coverage of Germany. Try to make it, like, an international channel. There's channel 292, um, which is, I, I have the hours on that one. An hour at least every Saturday, 6070 kilohertz. And uh, that broadcast is doing good, too. It's, uh, you know... Last Saturday was successful. Uh, got some good feedback from listeners um, in Scotland. A couple of listeners over there were checking it out. Some listeners in the UK caught the signal. Um, in Germany as well, someone in the Netherlands, uh, Belgium, France. And then a, a bunch of emails from northern Italy came in. I guess, well, when they wrote that, they were still under the lockdown, so... People just kind of staying home, listening to the radio, and I'm glad the broadcaster has an effect, and it's definitely getting a good-sized audience over there, which is great. 
Um, but then you have a couple more. You have some weather station that's low power, a religious ministry, um, and two more music stations. So those have been around for a while. But these two new stations, um, one is from Denmark, and it's called Radio 208. And it's on uh, 5805. So 208 isn't the frequency, it's just their name. But they're very low power. I can't really hear them at all. I've heard reports that some listeners in Sweden were able to catch the signal, but everywhere else it's just been a bit weak. But they play like, a, they say they're classic rock um, playings. You know, they, I think their, their theme is kind of like playing the classic rock of uh, Copenhagen, Denmark. So they're going, a brand new station just got on the air. So uh, there's a new music station in Europe, again, low power, Radio 208. And then in the Netherlands, there's Radio Onda, which uh, is on, I think it's 5960 kilohertz. And that's a one kilowatt broadcast, but Radio Onda, uh, as I'm kind of maybe, hence my bad pronunciation, is a foreign station. Um, and it's set up by an organization over there, I think in Belgium, but, you know, they got their transmitter in the Netherlands, that is just very interested in Brazilian culture and heritage. So they set up this station, um, I guess for, number one, any Brazilian expats out there in Western Europe who might have a radio still. Uh, so, for, so number one for that, to just kind of make, you know, make those people feel at home. But secondly, it's also set up to promote the culture of Brazil. So they play um, lots of Brazilian music, and then they have, I guess, some Portuguese uh, talk programs, and it seems like a fun station. Uh, reception for that is very iffy, from what I've seen. That sometimes the signal will be there, sometimes it won't, it'll just get lost in the noise, but it's worth giving a listen if you're able to pick it up, it sounds really interesting. But yeah, you got these low-power stations setting up across across Europe, so that's good. And some other good news. Radio Philippines is back on the air, which is great. They had to shut down due to uh, lockdown and risks over the coronavirus. So they um, had shut down, but Radio Philippines is back. So they're back, they're up and running. So it's good to see them back. They're a good station. And otherwise... Is anyone else gone or anyone else back? You have some U.S. government-funded broadcast, I think, to um, parts of Malaysia, I believe. That's going on there. You have some new religious show for North Korea. You know, this, this type of stuff pops up all the time. Otherwise, don't seem like there were any big changes to the medium. I mean... Well, you never know, but it didn't seem like there were. Just a few uh, little adjustments, a few changes here and there. But otherwise, uh, in terms of just radio listening, there was... Uh, I always like to scan around, just see what I can hear and whatnot. Let me check this one shortwave group right now while we're at it. Yeah, ex exactly. The... Um, the one, one, one station that actually had some issues was in Africa. Uh, this is where it's really listened to by lots of people. 
uh, Zambia National Radio 1. They had an issue with their transmitter, and finally they were able to get it up and running again, but now they're on a different frequency, and so that's um, Zambia having some issues there. But otherwise, I was doing some listening today, was scanning around, seeing what I could hear. Uh, late at night, got some really good catches out of Africa. Was able to, uh, let's see, was able to hear Radio Congo, um, which was, you know, it was pretty weak. Like, you could hear the talk and stuff, but you can't really understand it clearly. Just a weak signal. Um, Radio Madagascar with some music. Again, very weak, though, very faint. Uh, was able to hear the uh, Zambia uh, National Radio. So I was able to hear them, and um, they were coming in pretty clear. Radio Mali was, was coming in good, as it always does. And um, Voice of Nigeria, they were they were, had a good signal, too. So there were lots of these good stations out there that I could, um, that I could pick up. And uh, that, that was fun. It worked out good. Just got some good listening in. And otherwise, domestically speaking, there was a, there was a station today that I really listened to. And uh, I just like this show. You know, it's like one of those things. You just, you like the show. You like what they're talking about. You like the programming. You think, hey, this is cool. Right? So it was like one of that. And it was called The Big Broadcast. It was from WBCQ. And it was this, I, I don't know, compilation? It was an hour-long show. And it was by five different radio hosts who are on this station. Five different ones. Each one does their own program. You know, one has... Uh, plays play, play very old records. The other one plays like uh, classic rock, one plays uh, world music, one plays, uh, you know, Spanish, uh, Latin Latin music, and uh, it's just really, it, it was so much fun, because you had all these independent programmers kind of get together and just do a special show, uh, he said, for all the people who are kind of locked down, staying at home right now because of the uh, coronavirus, and they just really wanted to make a... Uh, a really nice special show to uh, try to cheer everyone up, to you know get all the good, the uh, the good um, radio hosts there just team up, play some music, have a fun time, and uh, just give a nice a nice fun show for uh, for all the listeners out here to catch, you know in the midst of this pandemic and all this doom and gloom. It was it was great. It was such a nice. It was a fun atmosphere and um, lots of good music too. So they were promoting that for about a week. And as soon as I saw it, I just, I liked the way that it was phrased. I liked the wording. I thought, yeah, this is something that I'm going to go, I'm going to go check it out. And I didn't forget. And, uh, yeah, sure enough, got the radio, got it set up. And reception could have been better, you know, because it was transmitted yesterday afternoon. But the signal wasn't the best. And uh, it was still enjoyable. It was still enjoyable. Despite bad reception, it was a great show. And uh, as a result, I sent in an email to uh, the guy in charge. And I said, look, you know, I, I really like what you do. And I just want to give a huge thanks to you and all the other wonderful hosts who, uh, who made this. Because it was a lot of fun. It was a fun show. 
And, uh, yeah, that was that, the big broadcast. It was a one, one-off one program to uh, the U.S., but it was just really fun that they did that for for all of us. So sometimes you get these little things that, like, they really make, you know, this medium. This is what makes it. You see these special shows that come out every now and then, and these, yeah, and these uh, one-off broadcasts, they're a lot of fun to do. All right, and here on VORW, we're now going to go right into the mailbag. And uh, as a standard disclaimer, I try to get to as many emails as I can, but I cannot make a guarantee that I'll be able to get to every last one. And I know that can be frustrating. I know that can be, you know, uh, but it's just the truth. Because I, I try to get to as many as I can, but, you know, every now and then I'll... I'll, I'll Oh, I won't be able to fit them in. I won't be able to get to all of them. And sometimes someone will very angrily write in and say, Oh, why the F didn't you respond to mine on the air? You know, and some people are upset, and that's just why I have to say this. I just have to say, I want to get to as many as I can. I'm going to try my best, but I just can't make any promises. But with that, let's quit dwaddling about, and uh, let's get to uh, whatever we can. Alright, first email coming in, Tim in Portsmouth, UK, um, says, I'll try to listen to the 4pm BST broadcast to Europe next Saturday, uh, although I've never been successful before using my uh, Tivdio V115. Do you have any advice on making an improvised antenna to improve reception? Well, uh, one thing even better... Number one, if you want uh, to look up antennas, now some of this is very, very technical, but just Google. Uh, there's lots of great resources on Google. There's many ham radio operators out there that, I mean, can make these fantastic things from, from scratch. Now, that takes a lot of elbow grease, etc., but one thing that just works a lot of the time, I can't sit here and say that it's a godsend and that it'll work every single time, um, but a lot of people who have shortwave radios have this. I actually need to get another one because the one I use broke, believe it or not. Um, but a wire antenna. It's so easy. You could find them online. You could find them on my Amazon store. And I say that shamelessly because it helps keep this going. And um, it's just a good resource, I feel. I try to keep everything organized. Um, Amazon.com slash stores slash the report of the week. I think that is. Might be slash shop slash the report of the week. Either way, you could find it in the description. But it's very, very simple how it is, a wire antenna. Uh, usually you can just connect it to the radio, and it's a wire. It's just a thin piece of wire. Usually it's pretty long, but what it is is that it hooks up to the radio's antenna, and it's like this wire becomes the antenna. So, you know, let's say this wire is 30 feet long. Instead of your radio's antenna just being, you know, let's say a couple, you know, maybe a foot or whatever, now it's 30 feet long because of this wire. And the best thing to do is you string this wire outside um, or near the windows or whatever. Try to get it away from all the electronic interference. And that usually helps. Uh, anyway, continuing on, um, as you know, uh, I enjoyed the uh, live tour of the shortwave frequencies in your latest show. Uh, shortwave radio is almost non-existent in the UK, so I'd be interested um, in knowing why it became so popular in the US compared to other countries, 
and how do the names of stations like WBCQ, WRMI, uh, WWCR come about? Is there a strict naming convention or are broadcasters free to choose what they like? So thank you, Tim. Now, I could be very, very long-winded with this, and I'll try not to be. Uh, well, number one, it, it all depends. There's different types of broadcasts that are popular in different parts of the world. Uh, for instance, what I've noticed is that... I was reading about this the other day, actually, about shortwave and just how, how popular... How popular is it anymore? I was reading some article about uh, from 2001. Back when it was much... <laughs> shortwave was much more alive back in 2001 because the internet wasn't as prevalent. Streaming was still in its infancy and was just really unreliable. Uh, and uh, many areas of the world were still developing. And there were lots of people alive who grew up with radio. I mean, think of the greatest generation. You know, I... So many of them, I'm sure, listened to it. Now that generation is almost gone. It's kind of sad. Think back, I really... I, I was just too young to really know any better, but I, I just wish I knew people from that generation better because they had so many... went through so much, so many stories to tell. And uh, what can you do? But uh, that's just one one thing. But I remember in this article from 2001 that I actually read a couple hours ago saying that a study by the French government back then estimated that there were, I think, like over a billion, one to two billion people back then listened to shortwave radio. And at any given moment, there were 200 million people listening at any given time. That was back in 2001. We're talking a huge, extraordinarily massive audiences. Um, but things have changed a lot since then. And while I would say that the global shortwave audience very likely is still probably in the hundreds of millions, I would... I would say definitely that it is out of that billion to two billion range that it was back in uh, 2001. I'd, I'd say that, you know, I'd still, I would even be willing to go on the, the upper end of that spectrum and say that maybe the global shortwave audience might end up being something along the lines of maybe six to eight hundred million. And now that's factoring in, again, the entire population of the world. All the hobbyists, all the amateur radio operators, all of those individuals, um, but also uh, all the individuals across Africa, uh, across the Middle East, especially East Asia. You know, you factor in China, how how popular shortwave is domestically still in, in some parts of the country. Um, the whole population of North Korea, you know, you have tens of millions right there. And, um, I wouldn't be surprised if that, that, um, that would be true. But it's, it's more alive in certain areas than it is others. And, you know, different types of programming are, uh, you know, kind of popular in different places. So in the UK, I, I just don't know if there's not as many listeners or, uh, or what. Could also be, 
because just distance wise you guys over there have have good infrastructure you're there's not really any extremely rural areas in the uk like you know you might have in the western us etc so i think there's just a really good deal of internet um connectivity uh, lots of good local radio options and um many many other alternatives so that kind of i think killed it off there and uh, that's why now there's still lots of good stations you can hear in the uk many of which are targeted elsewhere but because you're you're uh you're just able to get better signals for uh, stations to Africa, the Middle East, etc. And you still have some broadcasters that take the time to target you guys that uh, don't even target North America. So it's not totally dead there. Um, but over here, I think why there's still, there's still people that listen to it, at least enough to sustain especially all of these private shortwave stations... Uh, like we kind of talked about in the last show, is just the different subgroups, number one, that still listen to it, that, uh, I mean, still... All right, let's look at Alex Jones, for instance. Whether people want to admit it or not, Alex Jones has an audience. And he certainly, I would say, has a large audience at that. He's a name that, yeah, you know, for certain ridiculous things... I mean, I was listening... The other day, I happened to be listening on the shortwave, and I caught the whole bit about eating the, the neighbors and stuff. <laughs> was, oh, gosh. Yeah, just another one. And, you know, he certainly has a very large, uh, though, audience that, that listens to him and takes it just totally serious. And one thing that I think has really boosted his shortwave listenership is the fact that he was deplatformed. And as a result, you know, well, a lot of you know, a lot of his listeners, maybe they don't really want to listen online. They don't trust the um, internet service providers, the, you know, whatever. And they're looking for a more anonymous way to tune in. Well, whether people like it or not, once again, shortwave is the most anonymous way to listen to anything you want. So I think lots of people tune in for that aspect um, because they feel that it's a truly free medium, which it is, and, you know, that has its benefits and drawbacks. So, for instance, I think as a result, when he got kicked off a lot of platforms, many of his listeners turned to radio. And uh, as a result, that's why 12160 kilohertz in the U.S. is still a, a popular frequency in, in, in some communities anyway. And the same goes, though, for other types of programming that aren't as well-known as Alex Jones, um, but for similar reasons. And a lot of it is, you know, very far-right uh, programming. Um, if it's not that, you know, it could be conspiracy-related. Um, sometimes it could be very religious. Uh, sometimes it could focus on end-time uh, scripture or prophecies. Could be... Uh, alternative medicine could be for survivalists. Um, there's also programs for patriot and militia types as well. So all these subgroups, you know, kind of add it all up, and it still gives you 
um, a decent number of individuals that all use the shortwave still for that purpose of anonymity. You have all these different talk shows that they listen to. Now, secondly, one thing that kind of corresponds with that is the fact that there's so many areas that are very, very uh, rural, even across the U.S. and Canada as well. And there are certain parts of the Western U.S. Now, Internet is much more reliable, but it still isn't 100 percent. Uh, there's still millions of people in the U.S. that don't even have internet, which is crazy, but it's true. And uh, there's people who have said, and I believe it, that uh, especially during the daytime, in some of the very rural areas in the western U.S., uh, that AM, FM radio is pretty much dead, or there's no variety. And even then, streaming is just pretty... it's just not the best. So some people still prefer shortwave as an option because uh, they could listen to these stations from a distance without any sort of any sort of interruption. I think that's why distance plays a big factor as well, um, but also the type of programming uh, that dominates the medium here with many of the private stations is appealing to uh, many people. Uh, I myself, I like the international broadcasters the most. I like the world services. Um, from Romania and Turkey and Kuwait, and I like listening to the Voice of America and the BBC, and I prefer these established news stations or these uh, government broadcasters that uh, just provide some nice cultural information. For instance, the other day I was listening to Radio Tirana from Albania. You know, how often do you ever hear about Albania? But they still exist, and... Uh, this is so fascinating. All right, real quick, on a final note, then we're going to get to the next email. Uh, as for call signs, most stations get to pick their own call letters. They, uh, as they're filing with the FCC, which takes a ton of money and a ton of time, they uh, have the choice, if they want, to uh, choose their own call letters, and it has to be approved by the bureaucrats over at the FCC. But that usually, that usually goes through. So, for instance, some stations choose um, what they want it to be. Others don't. Like WBCQ is, uh, I think, just random letters. But WRMI, that was picked out, and it stands for um, Radio Miami International. WWCR stands for Worldwide Christian Radio. Uh, WTWW stands for We Transmit Worldwide. Um, WWRB, Worldwide Religious Broadcasting. KVOH, Voice of Hope. WINB, World International Broadcasters. So that's that's usually what it comes down to. All right, thank you, Tim, in Portsmouth, UK. Uh, we have a couple questions coming in from Sabrina in Brazil. She says, I'm here in Brazil listening to you every week. Um, I listened to your last radio show and I think it's sad that you have to do some of the cutbacks of the schedule, but I think it's the smartest decision in these times. About the schedule cuts, it doesn't affect me particularly, because I listen in on TuneIn, but I expect uh, that it does affect some of your listeners, and I wish I could understand the situation as well. I'm very happy uh, that you didn't cut the Saturday night broadcast, because it's the only time I could listen every week. Um, but I truly love the program and your channel too. Um, watching your videos is one of the few joys I have on these quarantine days. Sometimes I get so angry, sad, and stressed, but when I listen to your voice, it's like a, a powerful bomb healing, um, healing in the same moment, and all these bad feelings just go away. 
But in the meantime, I have some questions uh, that I hope you could answer. Um, how were your school slash college days wearing the suits? I mean, were people indifferent or just jerks, as we see here on the internet sometimes? Uh, so thank you, Sabrina, number one, for your kind words. Great to hear from our listeners in Brazil. And uh, thank you for your understanding with the cutbacks as well. I know it's no fun, but I'm glad you can uh, still listen in on the tune-in. So first question about wearing the suits um, at school. So I started wearing the suits when I was in school, yes. And it, it was always, it's always tough at first, because especially, of course, you know, when when you're a teenager, a lot of people kind of, uh, they don't really hold back. They could be so ruthless. It could be so cruel. Lots of people who are adults still are. Some people, they have this idea that once people get older, they just suddenly mature. Um, and for some, perhaps, that happens. But for others, they've always... Uh, they'll be... They were born evil, uh, and they're going to live their entire lives uh, till the day they leave this world uh, as just an awful person. And that's just the way that it is. But early on... Early on, some people, you know, they would... No one really gave me a hard time. And that's because I just kind of left everyone alone. Now, I know people talked about me behind my back. And that I know for a complete fact. But I don't care. Um, because by that time, I just... I didn't care. I was just wearing what I wanted to wear. People talk behind, talk about me behind my back continuously, nonstop. You know, it's that's you know within with the internet. I can't hear what people are saying about me. I can't hear what people are uh, saying as they watch my videos or listen to my shows. You know, but obviously bad things are being sen set, said <laughs> right now as we speak, and uh, it's just continuous. So I just don't care. You know, it's just what it comes down to. I, I don't care. I was never beaten up or anything because of how I dressed. Um, the only time, you know, I was picked on a couple times by some people, especially early on. Again, right at the beginning when um, I really had just started. Yeah, there were some nasty people, but I just, you know, eventually it went away, it got better. And then as I just did it more and more, people got used to it. And again, sure, people might have said things behind my back. I don't care, though. And as a result, I just didn't, you know, didn't let that get in the way of things. So eventually people just got used to it. And eventually, you know, by the time I was in my senior year of high school, uh, I could just wear a three-piece suit and no one would even bat an eye. Uh, and it, would ju it was just accepted that, all right, you know, yeah, maybe it's kind of weird, but this is just what he wears and he leaves everyone alone and that's it. It's no big deal. Um, as for college, just left alone completely. No one ever said anything good or bad. Just completely left alone. I think everyone just assumed that maybe I just had a job or something, and that's just why I, I dressed that way. But I was just left alone. No one ever said anything. So uh, people were indifferent then. Uh, do you like to use suspenders? That's something that I want to get into more. I was actually thinking about suspenders, and I'm going to have to invest in a good pair. I do like suspenders, and um, one thing that I would wear them with, 
for sure. Because I like these 80s, these 1980s, 1990s style suits, especially like these old school Wall Street type suits and looks. Uh, so one look, of course, that would be most fitting for suspenders. I have a bunch of these contrast collar shirts. So it's a blue shirt, but then the cuffs are white and the collar is white. And you still see that worn here and there, but especially in the 1980s and 90s, again, white collar workers in New York City, some of those uh, Wall Street guys would wear that. And I just really like the way that it looks, the contrast collar. And the best combination with that, in my opinion, is to wear a contrast collar shirt, um, black, you know, very uh, drapey pleated um, pants, suspenders, and then have a double-breasted black uh, suit jacket over that. Uh, that's that's a good look right there. That's something that I'll go with, for sure. But suspenders, I'm fine with. I, I think they're comfortable. I like them. And um, I'll have to wear them more, to tell you the truth. And finally, she says, uh, just a short topic request. Um, could you just talk about self-esteem and confidence? Well, I think one of the toughest things, because I have done podcasts about this in the past, and it's something that I'll bring up definitely uh, in depth, but one thing that can always be tough, I think, and this is connects to what I was saying a little bit earlier, is that with self-esteem and confidence, you see, it's a twofold thing, in my opinion anyway, in that... Not only do you have to kind of battle yourself to even try to get there. You have, you know, just your own apprehensions, your own fears, your own anxieties, etc. That you have to battle against yourself to try to overcome these things. But then you also have the outside world as well. Uh, you know, for instance, like with wearing what you want to wear. Let's say in my case, formal attire even in situations where it may usually be out of place. The toughest thing is trying to ignore how other people react. Because you can finally win that battle against yourself and finally have this degree of confidence and feel good about it. And you could be like, yeah, you know, I'm going to wear what I want to wear. Yeah, you know, I overcame this fear, this anxiety, and I'm going to do it. So then you do. And then it just takes one idiot out there to just make some snide remark or something. And all of a sudden, because someone did that, it reinforces those, you know, feelings of doubt. Um, again, those concerns, those anxieties. And it just reinforces this power that you worked so hard to try to stand up against and be yourself, only to get pushed back down again just because of what some person said. So... That's the toughest thing. It's a twofold battle, in my opinion, and it's one that can be won, but it's tough. It's a lot tougher than it looks. Sometimes it's a true saying, but they make it sound like it's so easy. Just be yourself. I agree with that completely. Yes, be yourself. Embrace your individuality. Such a, such a prized characteristic that we have. Embrace it. That's easier said than done. It's just like saying, eh, just change, just do it. Yeah, if only it were that easy. If it were that easy, we wouldn't need such cliches. 
Sabrina, thank you for writing in. Short email coming in from Corwin says, Finally had the chance to catch up with your last two shows on SoundCloud. Just wanted to thank you for your continued uploads. I enjoy hearing your thoughts and have enjoyed the classic mic. Can't wait for the next one. So thank you, Corwin. Uh, good to hear from you. Have an email from an anonymous listener in Arkansas. Uh, I just wanted to comment on the COVID-19 response. I live in Arkansas, so as are many uh, conservatively aligned states, we are about to start reopening businesses. I cook at a restaurant, so I'll be going back to work uh, on the 11th. My unemployed benefits aren't close to running out, but the general implication is that if I don't return to work, I'll be fired. It's not hard to see why I'm biased towards staying home. I make twice as much from unemployment benefits right now as from my job. And I'm an introvert who has never had so much time to indulge in my hobbies. I could only hope that the amount of cases here stays relatively low. As of writing, there are only 13 cases and one death reported in my city. Hope you are well and stay safe. That was from an anonymous listener in Arkansas. Uh, in regards to the COVID-19 response. Next, we hear from Arvid in the Netherlands, writing, First of all, I want to say I like the style of your show. I think it's one of the most relaxing podcasts out there. So calming, because you never scream, uh, overly swear, or make things bigger than they are. And I was quite surprised that you're from the U.S., because that's exactly the country where these things I named are the standard, at least from what I've been seeing. Maybe that's a stereotype from my point of view. I thought you were from Canada or something. I'm from Europe myself, the Netherlands to be exact, um, but maybe you can confirm the stereotype or at least part of it, uh, and I'm interested in your thoughts about the future of the U.S. So uh, first, uh, to interject, because the email goes on a little bit, uh, now, not everyone in the United States is that way, you know, when it comes down to uh, such things. But yes, there are many, many people who, uh, that's just their preference in media and um, appearance, etc. Uh, I've never been a fan of that either. I've never liked it. Sometimes I'll watch these things that are so highly edited and you have someone screaming in your face. Such coarse language and it's so I don't know I feel like I'm just being bombarded with this stuff and I don't like it I'm not a fan of it I've never been a fan of it um, but as a result it just gives this like loud obnoxious uh, I don't know this just loud obnoxious impression I think when you see so much of that it makes people think like this is how everyone is over here again well there are a number of people who are certainly not everyone is. So that's just one thing. On to the rest of the email. Uh, because I don't have a shortwave radio, I always tune in on YouTube. Used to listen to the podcast while biking from home uh, to school in the early mornings when I was barely awake. Found out about your channel when I saw that my disappointment is immeasurable and my day is ruined meme. And uh, I'm someone who searches for some context. So I went looking for the original video when I found it, I watched the whole thing, and another, and another, and it was very interesting. I didn't love clothes before. I thought they looked uh, just a bit odd, but when I saw you in the suits doing the food reviews, that inspired me to wear the clothing I wanted to wear. 
like if something had switched on in my head, uh, kind of like seeing a, a light, I guess. So I went to the thrift store, bought some nice shirts, um, some very elegant pants, not the jeans. Uh, I stopped wearing hoodies, baseball caps, and uh, don't even wear those short socks anymore. Uh, it's a bit of a formal style, um, but not too formal because I'm just a guy uh, who's 16 with an old soul. Uh, so I don't walk around in a suit, um, at least not yet. Some people at school said I look like a grandpa or some mad professor, but I just like the style, so I let them say whatever they want. I'm not going to change it because it's so different. Now, I think I speak for some others, but you're like a brother figure for me, and I've never been able to thank you in person. Uh, I've never even seen you, but you've influenced me a lot, and I don't say that very often. That's my story. I hope you have time to read it. So Arvid in the Netherlands, uh, number one, thank you so much for your wonderful email. And it really is. Never in a million years would I ever have thought that my content would ever, you know, would ever lead individuals to just make these changes and do what they want to do in life. And just uh, thank you. No, your, your words mean so much to me. Thank you, Arvid. I really, really appreciate it. And... This is fantastic. Like, this goes exactly with what we were saying um, in the other email. So, I mean, just good on you. You're wearing what you want to wear. You're establishing your own style, your own look. Some of the people around you, you know, hey, they might say what they say, but just ignore them. Just do you. So please, just keep it up. You're doing the right thing. And just know, I was in that exact same spot. It all starts somewhere, but just keep it up. Keep it up and keep doing what you are doing. So thank you for checking in. We've got an email coming in from Rishi who says, I appreciate keeping an open line of communication. I was wondering if you could touch upon classical music in general. Personally, I play the piano and I love the music of Bach. So that was from Rishi. This is something that I've touched on, and I, I actually remember this back in, I don't remember the year, I don't know if it was 2016 or 2017, what year it was, or 2015. Someone asked me about classical, and it's the same answer that I have then that I, I still have. I like the genre, and I like the sound, but I'm not well-versed enough in it to really say anything more. There's one new show that's on the shortwave that I talked about called Encore. It's a classical music program. I've been trying to listen to that pretty regularly whenever I can, because he plays a lot of different selections of classical music, some uh, great um, masterpieces, and then some newer contemporary selections. And... I really like it. I'm just trying to broaden my, my, my horizons. So if you have any recommended pieces that you suggest I give a listen to to maybe do that, to broaden um, my view, my listening of it, and become more immersed in it as a genre, uh, suggestions are welcome. If there's any pieces out there that maybe is... What is, what is your favorite piece from Bach, for instance? So if you have any suggestions, and I'm not... I, you know, share them. I'll give them a listen. So thank you for writing in. This is VORW International. Justin in Singapore. 
Wanted to know your opinion on briefcases. I've always fancied suits, briefcases, black polished leather shoes, and the whole shebang. I recently found an antique suitcase. Thanks for reading the email, and I wish you the best of health. Thank you, Justin. Uh, you too. Uh, just stay healthy, stay strong. And uh, the question on, on briefcases. I like briefcases. I, I do. Uh, briefcases... I've always preferred them when it comes down to carrying, let's say, papers or some folders or even a couple books. I've just, I've liked them. So I'm, I'm with you. It's just, it, it, it suits the whole thing. You know, it's just, and I think you understand this. Uh, it just works. I don't know. It just, it looks a lot better in my opinion with like a suit than just a backpack or something. But a briefcase, I don't know, it just completes the whole the whole look. And uh, for a while, when I needed to carry lots of papers, uh, I did. I had a nice black um, briefcase that I would carry around. I would, it was a really nice one. I'd be able to sort through everything and have it in there, and it works. And um, it, it's just it's really nice. You know, it just work, It works great. And I agree. It just it really suits that, that look good. But it also comes down to what the individual is uh, comfortable with. Sometimes people, they don't like briefcases. They prefer backpacks. It holds more. It's more comfortable. And that's fine. If you like backpacks, you like backpacks. If you like briefcases, you like that. But I do like the way that they look. So thank you, Justin, for checking in. Feedback and correspondence is welcome. Random questions, um, views, points, thoughts, anything you want to submit. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. And let's continue the mailbag. Next in our mailbag, we have an email from Zoe, which reads, I'm writing about some of my customer service experiences after working almost a year at a regional fast food slash ice cream franchise. The first thing I'd say is that only around 25% of the customers I interact with are rude or unkind, although that's just based on when and where I work. Customers who treat me respectfully are far more common than the absolutely terrible ones. That being said, customers who are dehumanizing can still really hurt my feelings. I was just harassed in the drive through for the first time recently, and it was so uncalled for that I was almost laughing, but it still made me feel bad. On the less extreme side, it's common for me to work with customers who get mad at me for things I can't control. People frequently snap when I tell them that we don't have certain items on the menu, or that the ice cream flavor they want isn't in stock, and that negativity can wear me down too. I wish that people were more kind and understanding in general. There was one instance in which an angry customer called one of my managers on the phone to yell and cuss at him for several minutes, all because one of the burgers he ordered had cheese on it when he asked for no cheese. I understand being a little disappointed or a little angry when your order gets messed up, especially if you've waited in line for a while, but in my opinion, it just doesn't merit that type of behavior. Honestly, what helps me keep a positive outlook is remembering that I'll have at least an entertaining story to tell my family and friends later, when I need to blow off some steam. Believe it or not, people will occasionally show up at our restaurant 
because they have no idea where they are. One time I had someone come through the drive-thru thinking they were at a Taco Bell for some reason, and another time one of my co-workers served an individual who walked in and tried to pay with a Sonic gift card. My co-worker had to explain that the store isn't a Sonic, and the customer acted really surprised and confused. Uh, but these are the type of stories I find genuinely funny in a more light-hearted way. But at the end of the day, a little kindness goes a long way. I personally like my job, uh, I like to help customers, but I really do want people I serve to at least treat me with dignity. Thanks for reading, personally love the food reviews and broadcasts. Your content spreads positivity and I truly appreciate that. I feel like everyone would have a better time if we all treated others with respect instead of constantly carrying bad vibes everywhere. So thank you, Zoe, for checking in. And I thought your email was an interesting one. And it's interesting, you know, that you mentioned this. Uh, that, you know, now I, I know the, the estimation of about a quarter, you know, 25% of those uh, who, you know, you may deal with um, may be unkind. Uh, I think that's a, a high percent, you know. Ideally, I think it should be 0%. And uh, I just, I never understand, you know, getting so uh, upset over some of these things. <laughs> you, you know, like, I will, in my reviews, uh, exaggerate certain things just for the fun of it. And I think as probably everyone, I would say probably 100% of people who made it to this this point in the show, the fact that you've been, uh, you know, listening for uh, a long period of time, probably two and a half hours or so, uh, understands that in the food reviews that I do, uh, I, I play up certain things. I'm much more animated. Uh, whereas, you know, that's not how I am 24-7. <laughs> you know, it, I'd be bouncing off the walls otherwise. Obviously, I, I would say I'm more toned down most of the time. And sometimes, you know, when, let's say, something is, isn't the best, sometimes I'll exaggerate certain things and freak out a little bit, but it's largely um, just for the video, for the entertainment value. Um, personally, look, if a mistake gets made, a mistake gets made. If it's not a big one, when I'm just eating regularly, uh, I don't care, you know? It's fine. If I ordered something with no sauce, but I don't really care, it's not like it's going to ruin the item, and I don't mind, I'll eat it that way anyway. If it's a big issue, I'll go back and just politely uh, bring up the concern, but that's it. I'm not going to go swear at someone or throw a fit or whatever. You know, it, it, it all depends. Like, from your email, because obviously when it comes down to workers in the service industry... Uh, you get all you get all kinds of individuals, right? Uh, you get people who, like you, enjoy their jobs. You like serving other people, and I'm sure you do a fantastic job at that. And you also have people who, uh, you know, work in fast food and in restaurants uh, who maybe they hate their jobs and they hate everyone. Uh, I've had some some people who I've dealt with at uh, fast food restaurants who were just very angry, mean people. Uh, who, you know, they were the ones who were, who were kind of displaying any anger or upset uh, at me. But, 
sometimes that goes both ways. But yeah, I, I wish I wish people were kinder. The thing that really uh, bewilders me. I haven't watched one of these in a long time. Well, not really. In a long time, a couple months, I would say. But maybe I will after I record this, since it's fresh in my mind again. Uh, there used to be these compilation videos on YouTube, and I bet they're still there. I'm sure. I'm sure they are. Called, um, Public Freakout Compilations. And it's exactly what the title implies. And sometimes I would see these videos from a fast food place, from some customer uh, just tearing the place apart, you know, because they ordered a burger um, with bacon on it and there was no bacon or some menial thing. And they are just, oh, every insult imaginable. Sometimes they go as far as to try to fight the employees because their order was incorrect. <laughs> and I don't mean to laugh, it's appalling behavior, but just... When you put it into perspective and you realize what these people are so angry about, it it is comical at times. It's like, how can someone, like, how can an individual actually get that angry over a fast food order? You know, I, I don't understand. I, I just don't, I don't get it. I wish people were more respectful. And sometimes you see these examples where people take it so far, it's like, comedically absurd but absolutely i think people should should treat should treat you guys uh with with respect and dignity that you you rightfully deserve so thank you for writing in uh we have an email from a listener given the comment i would i would presume to be uh, from the philippines but if i'm correct but if i'm incorrect i apologize but it reads, I listen to your VORW episodes using YouTube or Spotify, and I enjoy the things you talk about. I'd like to ask a few questions. Do you have plans to eat or review the McDonald's of our country, Jollibee? I would be happy to. The one issue in terms of uh, reviewing that, because I know it is very talked about, and uh, I do know that it is it is becoming more popular in the West. Uh, the issue right now is that, in terms of accessibility, it is difficult to find an establishment in my area. But should one uh, come about, and should one be readily accessible, uh, I would be absolutely thrilled to try out Jollibee and uh, do a review of it. What's your opinion of the Philippines? Uh, I don't mind the Philippines. Now, granted, see, the big issue I think that some people have uh, is in terms of the president of the Philippines, Rodrigo Duterte. And obviously he is a controversial figure, I imagine, probably in the Philippines, but worldwide, I know. The biggest issue that I have when people talk about the Philippines is that they they forget about everyone in the entire country and they forget about um, the entire culture and society and everything uh, the natural beauty of the Philippines and all they focus on is Duterte and they look at him and they either say that he is fantastic and that he is uh, the best president that the Philippines has ever had or they look at him and they say he is 
um, terrible, that he is a despot, that he is, you know, one thing after the next. And they judge the entire country off of this one person and his tenure in office, the last four years. Reminds me very much of how the U.S. is oftentimes judged uh, as well. Uh, people just look at Donald Trump and, you know, make assessments off of that. Um, now, granted, both of those individuals are figureheads for that country. And as I imagine it would come into uh, one's viewpoint as to their thoughts on that country. But it needs to be, yes, you could factor that in, but I think it needs to be a more rounded examination. And just looking at one person who is not going to be in power for all eternity and um, go from there. But as for me, in terms of the Philippines, I like the Philippines. I have no problem with that country. Uh, of course, I've never been there, but I know there are a number of listeners to this show and um, to my radio broadcast who are in the Philippines. So I wouldn't imagine tons, but I know there's a couple out there. And uh, one, I mean, one radio station that I will listen to uh, quite a bit is Radio Philippines, the, uh, the government-funded broadcast. I've been listening to them since 2014, I think. And recently they were off the air because of the coronavirus, but they recently uh, got back on. And uh, it's really good to see that they, they made a return, because I've always liked Radio Philippines. And I was worried that, having been off the air like some stations are, they just will stay off permanently, but they're back, and uh, it's good to see. But no, I, I like the Philippines. And finally, uh, you also asked, you have other hobbies aside from listening to shortwave. So, while listening to broadcasts uh, over the international airwaves is uh, probably my main hobby, uh, other other things do interest me. Music, uh, certainly, I, I really enjoy just trying to broaden my, my musical horizons anyway. I uh, listen to various genres. Uh, I always like sometimes researching certain songs and just reading about them, reading some of the factoids and info about them. Uh, I also enjoy studying current events, very, very much so. I spend lots of time perusing various um, news sites, etc., uh, just trying to see what's going on in the world. So yes, news, current events um, interests me as well. Uh, yeah, I enjoy getting some fresh air. I can't say I'm any sort of athlete or any of that, but I certainly do enjoy trying to stay active um, physically. Writing is a lot of fun, especially short stories. That's always <laughs> that's always good. Um, reading, of course, goes with that correspondingly. One thing that I really don't do in my free time, and you might think of it very weird, since pretty much my whole livelihood is based off of YouTube, uh, I don't really watch that many YouTube videos. Uh, I usually just use YouTube to listen to music, and that's it. I just, I'm not, I don't know, I don't really watch YouTube all that much. I don't know why that is, it's just, I know it's paradoxical, but that's just, <laughs> that's just the way that it is. Um... One other thing in terms of any sorts of games, I'm not a big gamer at all. I know many people are now, which is fine. It doesn't bother me. I don't care. If you are, you are. If you aren't, you aren't. Um, one game that I will play from time to time, and sometimes 
how it works is I'll either be very active for a time, and then I'll just stop and go on hiatus for a long time and then get back into it a little bit. Uh, RuneScape. That's a game I've been playing, you know, on and off. I guess since 2009, I think it was. Not constant or anything. Now I know that there's the two different... I, what I always like playing now is I like playing, if I do log on, um, old school. Old school RuneScape. And I, I like old school RuneScape better because it just kind of reminds me of how it was when I first you know, kind of started playing. Not quite. The graphics are a little... You know, they're retro. They're retro, but I, I, I like it. I'm just a fan of more that that simplicity that it offers. Um, so I'm, I'm more of a fan of the old school RuneScape if I do play it. I know now some people want to know, well, what's your uh, username in the game? But I'm afraid I'm just going to keep that one to myself. So hey, who who knows? Maybe maybe the person that you're talking to next. That's really that's really me. I I joke. One one hint. I don't talk to I don't talk to anyone in the in the game. I just keep to myself if I do play it. Um, but other than that, you know, sometimes I'll play uh, the eight ball pool on the mini clip as well. And um, there's that. I'll play I'll play the eight ball pool from time to time. And otherwise, you know, one thing that I've really gotten into lately, I'll tell you, a little bit of a tangent, is um, <laughs> as simplistic as it is, I will tell you, this is a quality source of entertainment for me anyway, and some people are going to laugh at this, I'm sure, but I don't care. Our, uh, the, little, the little games that come with the, uh, with the computer, the Windows games, like uh, Solitaire and... Um, Minesweeper and all that stuff. Yeah, I, ki I kid you not, I am a big fan of those uh, at this point. I I spend uh, lots of time playing that at, at this point, just the games that come with the computer, because why not? It, I, I enjoy it. I think it's I think it's fun. It's free of charge. It's right there. Um, but I will tell you, the one thing in terms of these Windows games, uh, number one, I think the quality of them really does depend on the operating system, meaning what version. Um, if anyone is real retro and uses Windows XP uh, versus uh, Windows Vista or uh, Windows 7, I think it is, or Windows um, Windows 8, Windows 10, etc. And see, the thing is, is that for the for when I first discovered those Windows games, it was back in 2012, I think. And on the computer that I used then, it was a Windows Vista operating system. So that's what I was used to, and I really liked the graphics. I think they were were of good quality. Um, I liked the gameplay, and it was just a lot of fun. But then when I switched to um, the computer that I use now, which I think is Windows 8, and also, you know, including Windows 10 with that because it's the same problem, the new versions of all these games like Solitaire, Minesweeper, all these different things, chess, um, Mahjong, etc., are all different, and I don't like the design 
I don't like the gameplay. I don't like how it's more modernized and in your face. And I don't like that they feel the need to tack on these ads in the game. When uh, it would be one thing, look, if it was like an independent, if, if, if they were made by like an independent creator or something who put their blood, sweat and tears into it, and these ads supported them, that's fine. Then I wouldn't care. I would say, all right, fine. It doesn't bother me. I enjoy the game, and I'll be happy to have the ads there, so it helps your livelihood. But this is <laughs> for for Microsoft. I mean, come on. They make enough money as it is. They don't. They don't need to put ads on um <laughs> on their solitaire. So I was so disappointed and so. <laughs> distraught. Then I literally looked and I thought, is there any way, I don't care that, I don't care about the risk, is there any way that I can somehow download the old version of these games that I was so used to playing, um, that were available for, you know, Windows Vista and Windows uh, 7, that I could somehow download them onto this newer operating system. And uh, sure enough, there was a way uh, that, that, you know, someone online had them available and you could download it. And it worked. It wasn't a virus or anything. So I downloaded the old versions of them um, onto the newer operating system. So now I just, you know, I, I just, I like what I like. So that's what I go with. But I mean, let's see the ones that I have downloaded. And this is what I probably spend the most time on now. Chess Titans, which is that one. That one's a classic. That one's good. Um, Mahjong Titans, that's another good one. Got Minesweeper. Uh, Solitaire, which I always do the draw three. Because the draw one is easy. You know, that's, that's like with the draw, the draw one card at a time, it's like, you know, this is still games you can lose, but you're pretty much more or less uh, gonna win every time. So I, I don't really like that, so I do the draw three, because at least I have a challenge there. And then Spider Solitaire. Look, I will tell you, uh, Spider Solitaire, when I first started playing that, I thought it was the most insufferable version of Solitaire I've ever played, but, you know, now I've kind of, I'm kind of, I'm warming up to it. I, I, I kind of respect the, uh, the difference to it, and it's a pretty interesting game. The one game that I miss... I don't know if anyone ever remembers this. This might just be going back to the Windows XP operating system or the Windows Vista one. That This game was not available in the, the thing that I downloaded to get the old ones. Was uh, Inkball. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was... That, yeah, that was, a, that, was, that was a time waster, all right. But it was um, somewhat entertaining, I will say. So anyway, that's what we got. Thanks um, to our listener there in the Philippines for checking in. Walter is writing in, says, I just watched your podcast where you talked about loving the Joker, even though you weren't particularly a fan of superhero movies. I'm personally a very big fan of superhero movies, and I was wondering what your reasoning for disliking superhero movies was. Uh, So here's what we've got. Now, the last time I really watched a lot of those types of movies... Uh, admittedly, it was probably like 2012, 2013, and I just said, nah, I just, I'm not a fan of them, so I really haven't watched them since. So, and I say this um, completely, there may be movies out there that have been released, you know, since then, 
that, you know, if I give them a watch, uh, I'll think that they're fantastic. And, you know, if the opportunity arises, I know, like the Avengers, for instance, I have heard fantastic things um, about it, about all, all the Avengers movies, really. But I haven't seen it, any, any of them. So here, here's here's what bothered me and why I wasn't a big fan of the superhero movies. Uh, in, in certain films that I suppose try to incorporate elements of, let's say, the modern world in them, uh, I always, just the way I like it is uh, to try to have some sort of sense of, of realism to them. That's why I like the Joker so much, because it's more, it's like it's real. It's something that maybe aside from... You know, well, let's not give a spoiler. Aside from some of the things that happen in the movie, which may be unlikely, uh, a lot of the Joker can be something that could happen in real life. And I, I just, I like that. Now, there's certain movies that just take place, like, in a totally different universe that, you know, you don't... You know it's not, like Star Wars, for instance, right? You know, it's not like... The moon is really um, the Death Star or something, and we've just been duped this whole time or something. You know, it's it's like you can separate. You have the Star Wars universe as opposed to the real world. I don't know. I just I like that that separation that you can put to completely into fantasy land and just go from there. It's like Star Wars. I'm a fan of. That's fine. Uh, one movie trilogy that. I have always been a huge fan of, going back to the early 2000s, was Lord of the Rings, you know? That takes place in Middle-earth, in this whole other land, right? Again, that you can make that distinction between. Uh, though I will say, the Hobbit movies never, never held up. They were not of the same caliber, in my opinion. Um, but anyway, so one movie that I remember, this actually goes for a couple of the ones that I've seen, uh, like, one movie I remember was Man of Steel, which is like a, um, Superman movie. And another one was the Captain America movie. Both of them, I think, came out around the same time. Was, for me, the thing that really got to me was the fact, like, it takes place in the real world, but then you also have this stuff going on. But at the same time, what I don't like is how... It's like how drawn out some of the fight scenes are. I don't know. It, it's like, for me, they just kept going on and on and on and on. And I just kind of wanted it to end at that point, and it just didn't. <laughs> it went on for longer than I, I thought was necessary. And I didn't like the thought, in some of these fight scenes anyway, of all this collateral damage that happened. Like in the movie, I think it was Man of Steel... Uh, Superman is fighting someone, I, I don't even remember who it was, and I think they're in this city, and they're just, you know, <laughs> oh, they, they are going at it, to the point where, like, you had this perfectly good city, and they felt the need to have to duke it out, to the point that, like, it's just a pile of rubble, and I was thinking, so, well, they had their battle, number one, think of how much damage happened because they're flying around and smashing each other through all these skyscrapers and stuff. And number two, all the people that likely died from this. And they're declaring, you know, victory that they got rid of this 
this um villain or whatever. But at like what expense? If you destroy the entire city like that, you're probably at least gonna have tens of thousands of deaths, maybe hundreds of thousands. Depends on what type of stuff they're doing. Maybe millions. I mean, who knows? And uh, I just don't see that as like could be a cause for some short-term celebration, but I don't know. Think of all the collateral damage there. Why couldn't they just go and go over the ocean or something and fight if they really want to? You might say, oh yeah, but the villain wants to keep him in the city so we could take everyone down with him. Yeah, but I mean, there's, you know, the, the hero of the movie is a superhero. He could find a way to, I'm sure, get the uh, get the bad guy out of that populated area, you know, and duke it out again over the ocean or... And, you know, maybe some, if, look, if they're insistent on collateral damage, then do it in a, you know, more of a, the, the countryside. If you have to take out a couple farms, you know, but it's better than killing off so many people. I, I it just, it's always irked me to no end, no end, <laughs> the collateral damage. Um, but that's just why, and I'm just not a fan. But I'm not going to say, because I'm just not a big fan of those types of movies, that, uh, oh, obviously, every last one is uh, definitely terrible. No. Again, look, I've heard great things about the Avengers movie. I haven't seen it, but I might give it a watch, and uh, I might really enjoy it. And if so, then I'll change my mind, and I'll say, hey, you know what? Uh, there may be a good number of superhero movies that I'm not a fan of, but uh, I saw whatever, and I thought it was really good, and, you know, so I'm open to these types of things. But uh, thank you, Walter, for uh, for checking in. We have an email coming in from Dana. She says, Hi, John. I'm not usually one to comment or write in, but I just wanted to say I've been listening to the podcast since last summer. I find it interesting, and I like the long-form shows. I was sorry to hear that you feel your creativity is being limited. Um, could you uh, Could you not try uploading onto a third channel? Maybe it's excessive, but uh, there are definitely people who actually prefer your non-food-related content. I hope you could find a way to do more of what you want. Also, I'd like a link for the European radio broadcast. I live in England, and so far I've only been able to catch small bits of the show on TuneIn because of the time difference. So, uh, number one, uh, thank you for your email. I'll be happy to uh, get a link for the uh, European shortwave airings. So that'll be uh, fine. And uh, I'll definitely get that sent your way. If anyone uh, is in Europe, you want a uh, broadcast schedule, way to listen, whatever, just send an email to vorwinfo at gmail.com. Be happy to uh, help you there. But I'll get that sent to you, number one. Uh, Number two, in terms of your suggestion to a third channel, that's something that I've thought of. But I'll tell you my concern. Maybe I'll do it, I don't know. See, the the thing with a third channel is that it could go one of two ways. The way with, with YouTube, it either works or you've spread yourself too far, too thin, and it hurts you more than it helps you. YouTube is a very sensitive thing, but it is something that I've given thought, and um, I don't know. I don't know. It's not something that I will totally leave out of the equation. I mean, of course, lots of people have second or third channels. 
that have a couple people that watch it, so I don't know. I mean, we'll just have to see. Um, right now, I'm just going to try to still balance things out on the main channel and just see what happens. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we will see what happens. I think either way, maybe the next video that I do, or at least the one in the near future on the report of the week, is going to be a random one. Whether people like it or not, I'm going to do it. I, I am. I'm just going to say, hey, I'm just going to do, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. And if people for some reason can't stand it, then hey, I'm just doing what I want to do. So the next one, I think, is going to be random again, whether people like it or not. But thank you, Dana, for writing in. Uh, we have an email coming in from Joanne. She says, I've been going through the VORW back catalog since I have the time these days. And it's been interesting to listen to shows from back uh, in the 2014 Ebola epidemic days. Who knew things would be the way they are now? I am with you on the permanent use of PPE from now on. Uh, I hate how it's become such a divisive and political issue. Um, but I'll just keep using it regardless, uh, since I'm also helping my dad and I don't want to put him at risk. Without a vaccine, uh, things like gyms, hair salons, and even travel just seem to be out of the question. I'm scared to eventually stop working from home, and I worry that I'll never feel comfortable living the way I did back in early February. Do you feel like everything you've been through since last fall has made you a stronger person and better able to handle the current situation? I've lived through the passing of my mother, not coronavirus related, uh, and then the immediate start of the pandemic, and I haven't had time to process it all. So thank you, Joanne, for uh, your email. Always great to hear from you, regular listener. And um, yeah, number one, yeah, back in back during the uh, Ebola epidemic. See, that's another thing that's always interested me. Not that I am technically minded to really make sense of it all, um, but to the best of my abilities, infectious disease has uh, been of interest. And in 2014, during the uh, Ebola outbreak in West Africa, uh, that was something that I, I followed very closely. Uh, as a matter of fact, there was one song I remember, maybe I even played uh, segments of it, or at least talked about it in those shows. I'm sure you would remember. Um, there was a song from some West African pop group, I'll never forget, it was called Ebola in Town. And uh, they made it, of course, for, uh, you know, awareness to uh, try to tell people to, uh, you know, even then, uh, in West Africa, try to practice that type of social distancing, etc., so as not to get the Ebola virus. And uh, I remember that, and I would talk about it sometimes. I would listen to it, I, I, I would say, I'm going to listen to it every day till this is over. I think I, I think I did. I remember even I was listening to the radio once and I, I was tuned into the BBC to Africa um, and they were covering Ebola, of course. And I remember I couldn't believe my ears when I heard them talking about that song. They're talking about music and um, you know music with a message and whatnot during the Ebola epidemic. But Ebola is a terrifying, terrifying virus, gosh. There's one thing that I'm glad never never became as easily transmissible as uh, COVID-19. It's Ebola because it is a ghastly disease. It's terrifying. 
quite frankly, the things that it'll do to you. So I'm just glad it never got to that point. And there were fears uh, that even I had in 2014 that what if it gets to that point, but it never did. Uh, back in January, I had those same fears with coronavirus and what happened, you know, we didn't get so lucky this time, I'm afraid. And, um, I don't know. The more this goes on, I, again, I try to have that cautious optimism, but I think that, you know, we're going to, I think we're going to get the second wave at this point. And is it going to be worse than the first? Maybe it is. So we'll see. But you ask um, in regards to uh, being able to handle the current situation. I would say I do have a handle on it. I'm not going crazy or anything, um, and I, I don't I don't feel I don't feel like I'm you know like I'm not able to to do this to to make it through this. See, the the thing is, is that. Everyone, everyone has ways of dealing with these types of situations differently, right? And that's the thing. Every last person is different. There's no one-size-fits-all way to try to be able to, well, deal with this, this global pandemic. Uh, some people, what they prefer to do in terms of this is um, forget about it. You know, maybe employ the approach, ignore it, and uh, it'll get better. Um, for me, it's really the other way around. Uh, I try to understand as much about the coronavirus in any way, shape, or form, not to try to say, oh, I figured it all out, and, um, you know, it's just one of those things that I'm, I'm sure sociologists have a term for, I would guarantee, that just understanding it and being up to date and hopefully well-informed of the situation uh, is just a means of solace. And I kind of feel better after that. So that's just what I've been doing every day since um, since January, just kind of following the routine. Um, monitor, you know, mainstream news, monitor uh, radio, monitor news sources that are far outside the mainstream and just see what they're going on about. Uh, I go and I look at various discussion sites, see what people are talking about, uh, look at social media, go from there. And uh, I just keep up to date on the coronavirus in many, many ways. And then in some of my free time, especially late at night, I know it's a really odd example of um, bedtime stories and um, bedtime reading, but lately before I go to sleep, because it does kind of make you a little tired, uh, I'll go on Wikipedia and I'll read various pages um, pertaining to the coronavirus pandemic, uh, the disease itself. Uh, I'll also sometimes look at the original SARS outbreak and uh, just study that, watch uh, documentaries about that and other uh, outbreaks in the past as well. Some of which are absolutely fascinating you go back into the days of antiquity, uh, obviously viruses have existed for as long as we have been around, much, much longer than that, of course. Viruses are, are out there. And it's interesting to see some of these, these things like uh, the plague of Athens, for instance, which killed, I mean, 
A good number of people, of course, in Athens, this is ancient Greece we're talking about, you know, long, long ago, and no one knows what the disease was. No one has a clue. They think, well, um, some signs point to it being smallpox, but others point to it being um, measles. Um, but then it could also have been influenza, but there's also a chance that it could have been a strain of Ebola or something similar. And no one knows what it was. Uh, no one ever will, probably. Uh, we have our guesses, but when it's so far-ranging, you know, the differences between influenza and Ebola are <laughs> very, very clear. I guarantee that even before then, there were viruses probably unimaginable that existed and have since disappeared and we will never know about. And, you know, if you believe that there's other other things out there in the universe, of which I'm sure there are, uh, I bet there's viruses that exist in space or on other planets, etc., that defy any, any understanding that we have. Uh, I'm certain of that. We, we try to be so confident and act like we know everything. And granted, our knowledge of so many fields has expanded so greatly over the last, last few centuries. But in the grand scheme of things, we know so little. And I mean, I was looking, there was even some talk. I don't know if this was proven or not, but at least it was an interesting article either way, and something that I agree with one way or the other, saying that I believe there was some sort of discovery that might disprove one of the fundamentals of physics. But everyone has their sides, and who knows. I, I agree, though. I think that there's things out there that would set us, set us back to, uh, to the start. But infectious diseases, no, it does interest me. Again, not that I'm any sort of... Not that I, I really know anything about it. I don't. You know, when it, when it comes down to... Uh, what I said back in January about this. Uh, you know, a stopped clock is still right two times a day. That's what you should look at what I have to say about these things. You know, if, you, if you're looking for any advice or any opinion worth a damn, uh, you know, just go to an expert. Not me. But I'll still share my, my two cents. But anyway... Infectious disease is, is fascinating, regardless of of my comprehension. You know, no one even knows where smallpox came from. One of the most significant diseases in human history that we actually eradicated, at least outside of a few labs. But no one knows. No one knows where it ever came from or how long it's been around. I think they discovered, you know, the prospect of it having been on some ancient Egyptian mummies, which would mean that it was obviously around for a very long time. But it's just interesting. Okay, well, what I have to do here, and I'm just going to leave this recording, I need to move my setup. Let's find a way to do this right now. I just need to move this. 
Because it's the outlet that I have everything plugged into right now is giving me problems. So let's move. Let's move the base. Okay, let's do this. Let's get this down over to this table. All right, there we go. Because I just, the last thing I want is for everything to die on me and invalidate everything so we can just switch outlets here and avoid certain disaster. Okay, that's looking good. Let's just move this. Okay, I think that should work. Let's just double check, make sure, but I think, but I think we're back in business. Let's check. Okay, we are. Good. Very good. See, sometimes just these things come up, but it's just, why not? Let's leave it in for the, for the fun of it. Okay, very good. So we have a couple more emails here. Uh, as we approach the end of the show, for those of you who have made it this far, understand that this broadcast is only able to happen thanks to your support. Thanks to your assistance in these times. That's why the show is here. That's that's <laughs> that's why it exists. That's why that's why I'm able to do it. If you want to help keep this thing going, keep the shows coming, keep them keep them uh, produced and and allowed to continue. Your support is most appreciated. Any donations are welcome via PayPal to V O R W. I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Again, via PayPal to V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Just consider what you've heard and what you've listened to for the last several hours, and consider if you want to hear more of it. And if you do, please consider uh, a donation of any size and shape. Anything does help at this point, but please, number one, Make sure that you can take care of yourself. These are tough times. Everyone's financial situation is different. Many are struggling. Some are thriving. Everyone is different. But if you're able to, to support and help keep it going, please consider it. You could also donate via Patreon at patreon.com slash the report of the week. I will tell you, it was interesting, and um, thank you, by the way, to Joanne, who uh, emailed in that question. It was, it was very interesting, and um, thank you for your email. As I was saying, you know, one thing that I've noticed uh, is the fast food industry right now, and the restaurant industry, too, is in dire straits. Now, does that... Um, correlate directly to the main channel? Yes, of course. No one's getting fast food anymore. Which, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, look, health-wise, it's probably for the best. Um, you know, for me personally, because that's what people watch the channel for, etc., etc., that's a little difficult. Um, but it makes sense. There's no new items. As a matter of fact, and it's so interesting, 
a lot of places have actually cut back their menu. Um, I look at some places like the big chains, and uh, they're they're cutting they're cutting back their menu. They're not releasing anything new. Um, profits are down, massive massive numbers. Um, many people just are being more careful with their expenses, which is understandable. And also all of the uh, closures and supply chain issues in the meatpacking plants are also leading to complications. Um, but lots of people over here, at least in Florida, seem very reluctant to go to these establishments as well. The other day, as the state begins to reopen in some ways, I was looking around at some of the sit-down restaurants that were open for business. And maybe, you know, factoring in social distancing, etc. Again, this is um, probably good in terms of, you know, stopping the spread of the virus. Um, but from a business standpoint, it would be a horrific thing to see. But when I looked at the so many of the restaurants and how many people were there, was it packed? Was it teeming with people like we saw in some states? No. Zero. No one at all. Goose egg. Absolutely no one there. Uh, really just the staff kind of hanging out and, and no one there. No one getting anything to go and no one dining in. And this wasn't just for, you know, one restaurant that was bad or anything, but uh, for all of them. I think it's also because so many things here are reliant on tourism. Not really locals to go, but for all of the uh, international and out-of-state tourists who show up to go to these places and fill them up. But with no one there, there's no business. So it's just an interesting observation, and I think it just goes to show that every state is going to have differences in the economic impact of various sectors. It's just an interesting thing that I noticed. But across the board, um, nah, these chains are having their issues, but... There's still things I can kind of, I can dredge up and uh, <laughs> figure out. Okay, a couple more emails to get to. have one from Amy in California. First off, I want to thank you for dedicating your airtime and resources to inform the public about current issues in the world right now. It means a lot that you're using your platform to help others get their ideas out. I only came across your podcast a few months ago and have since been bringing, uh, binging all of the episodes. My apologies. They've helped me get through a lot of quarantine. They've helped me get through a lot as quarantine has made changes in many people's home lives. I've had a lot of trouble getting schoolwork done. Time seems to be this crazy concept. I find myself constantly wondering the time. Much scarier, the day, which morph together and make it so hard to be productive. Do you notice this in your day-to-day -day life, and do you have any tips on keeping up productivity? You seem to be the almighty, wise man-child. So that was from Amy in California. Thank you for your kind words and for your email. Uh, I, I imagine, given the nature of your email, uh, the last remark was just, no, uh, no offense given, no offense taken. Some people, especially in the past, 
would use the term man-child as uh, an insult. And uh, some people I know would write an email and then, th you know, throw in something at the end to kind of say, hey, yeah, uh, yeah, I wrote this just to troll you and waste your time. Um, you know, go F yourself or something. And, uh, you know, I, I just think it's just a, a choice of words, but I, I, I don't see any, again, any offense expressed, none taken. I've been called. Even if that's the whole objective, I don't, I don't care. Um, doesn't bother me. I've been called so many things just today alone. You know, you go through the comments and there's just dozens and dozens day after day after day. So it's no big deal either way. But again, I don't think that was the whole point. But I'm um, forgetting that. Thank you for your email. Uh, as for your question, because it is one that a lot of people, I think, have, I will tell you this. Productivity in this time is a bit of a double-edged sword. Because while we may have a lot more time at our disposal, a lot more time on our hands, and one may easily assume, uh, all right, with more of this time, uh, obviously you can be more productive and you can get more things done. But one thing that really feeds productivity, you can have all the time in the world, but you have to have the motivation as well to be able to use that time to the best of one's perceived abilities. And one of the difficult things in terms of productivity is again finding that motivation and one thing that largely drives that motivation is goals having some sort of objective having some sort of goal knowing if i do these things if i take these actions then it's going to uh, result in this down the road well, right now when the future is so uncertain, a lot of those goals that we had in the future may have changed. It may just be a big up in the air, a big what if, a big I don't know. Maybe your situation has changed. Maybe you just cast doubt on what's going to happen. Or you play in the financial aspect of it, and you just don't know anymore. So how can you get yourself motivated if you have no goal or anything to look forward to anymore? Because all that's just been changed, maybe for good, because of what's going on. See, that's the issue. That's the tough thing. You don't know a timeline for this whole situation. There is absolutely none. For most other situations, at least anything that we've dealt with in recent times, there's a beginning and an end, and while the end, you may not know when it is, you can usually guess that it's in the near future. even natural disasters. A hurricane, you know that this thing is just going to pass by. And you know that when the recovery comes, 
And whatever happens afterward, there's all these systems in place, number one, that can help you. You have an aspect of community that is going to be there to help you and make an effort for recovery, and you know that things are going to get better, and usually there's a time frame. You know, all right, I know a month from now, things are going to be better than they are right now. Now, let's use our little hurricane analogy. <laughs> Why not? You show, Sure, there's like, sometimes it's used just like as a joke, pretty much, but the chances of this happening are so low, it's possible, but it's so low, it's not like, all right, things are getting better, uh, but wait, uh, another hurricane's going to show up just as strong, maybe stronger than the last one, and ravage the area again, and now you got to do it all over again. Oh, and then another one's coming in after that, and it's going to hit you, oh, and then another one, one after one after one. It never happens. It doesn't happen. You know? Even then, you're given... Sometimes if one hits the same area twice, you're given... It's like a year or two later. No, we're talking weeks. Same thing... You know, with so many other things. It just doesn't... It doesn't happen. What's the future gonna look like a month from now? What do we have to look forward to uh, in terms of this situation? Does, does anyone really, truly know? No, no one does. It's all guesswork. We don't know. So, that is such a significant complication in terms of having motivation when you don't even know if these goals are even, even worth it anymore. And that's what I've noticed anyway. And I really wish I could say that when you hold it out, 100% definitively that these things will uh, get better. And I think that they will. But the question is when. You can't put a date on anything anymore. You can't set up a realistic time frame and say, I know by the end of June, things are going to be better, and I can look forward to that and count down to it, and I know that every day that passes is a day closer to that happening. No, because you know what? In late June, things might be worse than they are now. And you can look and you can say, what is, what is the future going to be a year from now? No one knows. I remain hopeful that there will be a day when that sense of normalcy will really, truly return. Not just some degree of theatrics or of a false hope, like what we see in some cases now, but in that real, true sense where you really are safe and that sense of stability is guaranteed and is actually there at least from this current situation and all of its implications. But just precisely, how long will that take to happen? Months? Years? Your guess is as good as mine, because I don't know. And that's the issue, and I wish I could have a good solution. Because in our mind, just saying, it's going to get better, but I don't know when doesn't really do much to help. 
it's like, okay, well, thanks, but that's, that's good to know, I guess. But it doesn't lead to any sort of assurance. And it's tough, because I wish I had an answer for you. And I wish I could say something, anything, that would sound better than that. But I just personally believe that if I did, and if I sat there and said, just hang in there another month because in June this is all going to get better, and it's all going to be better, and uh, just count down those days and hang in there, I feel like I would be lying if I said that, and I, I, I can't do that. Now maybe there's a chance that we'll get lucky in a month from now, maybe it will be better. And maybe you can look forward to that. The best thing that I could possibly say is, with the future being so uncertain, you could at least look forward to the possibility that maybe a month from now the situation will improve. And, you know, you could have time on your side. At the very least, we don't know how long this is going to go on for, but every day that passes is a day closer to this coming to an end. But... We don't know what the next month holds. So we can spin it both ways. We can say, all right, you know, in just a month, maybe things will get better. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe it'll be the same. And then, you know, a month from that, see, you just don't know. But at least you can say, well, there's a possibility that it will. Maybe I could hold out for that. It's a tough question that I have no answers for, because to tell you the truth, I'm in the same boat as you. As a creator, and in what I do, this has very uh, seriously impacted me and my morale as well. Yeah, there's workarounds, or things you could still do, but it doesn't make it, you know, doesn't say, yeah, that solves it, problem over, everything's good. So that's why I kind of struggle, because I'm, if I had an answer, I would, I would have, I would have said it already, I wouldn't you know, beat around the bush so long. Okay, we have... Let's see, a radio-related email coming in from David. It says, first time writing in, fairly new listener, enjoying the uh, shows a lot thus far. Been listening to a few of your older podcast episodes where you talk about radio in relation to natural disasters. And I never knew much about shortwave radio, but thanks to your insightful lectures on the topic... I've become very interested in it, and you've actually convinced me to buy my first radio today. Really like to tune into your show via the shortwave, and maybe give your music program a listen, but I don't know uh, which frequency I should tune into. Could you please give me a recommendation as to which frequency to use and a program schedule? I live in the Netherlands, by the way. Hope you're doing well, and I look forward to your next podcast. Okay, so the good news for you is that in the Netherlands, uh, you are going, you are in luck. Uh, you are going to be able to put your radio to good use. I can guarantee that. So that's the first thing. Fear not, um, because all is going to be to be well there. So here's when you can tune in. Uh, the first airing that I recommend giving a listen 
would be at 5 p.m. local time. That's 5 p.m. Central European Standard Time. Uh, you know, 5 p.m. Let's say if you're in Amsterdam, Netherlands. 5 p.m. every Saturday on 6070 kilohertz. That's 6.070 megahertz. So every Saturday at 5 p.m. for you, 6070 kilohertz. Uh, I've gotten some very good signal reports coming in from listeners in the Netherlands, in Belgium, uh, and also in um, areas of Germany that border the Netherlands. So people in that area are reporting good reception at that time. So I, I, again, I feel pretty confident that you'll be able to get a good signal there as well. Now, I don't know if this is a possibility, but there is also a, a chance, because I was talking to the station in Germany there, because I was very satisfied, and he mentioned the prospect of, of repeating my show at an extremely low cost, which is fantastic on Tuesdays. Now, this is all just preliminary, but it wouldn't hurt if you have the time on Tuesday to uh, give it a listen and just check the frequency. It's the same frequency, 6070 kilohertz. First, you can try it at 12 o'clock noon. So right there at the midday hour, 12 o'clock noon, every Tuesday, 6070 kilohertz. Also, you can try uh, at the time of 6 p.m. local time every Tuesday on 6070 kilohertz. Now, this doesn't just go for you. This is for listeners all across Europe. Um, but you could try that on Tuesdays as well. Again, this is just preliminary stuff. But uh, it's, I will say this right now. The possibility of two repeat broadcasts on Tuesday uh, at almost a zero cost, which I've never... That's fantastic, and there's no catch. It's I was shocked. Um, it's something that's actually achievable very, very easily with um, what we have, and it's not going to stretch anything any, any further... Because, um, again, it's, it's close to a zero cost. It was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like that. But I might give it a shot. And if that's the case, then it could expand broadcast hours directly to our listeners in Europe to uh, three hours a week instead of one, which I think will work out. But for you in the Netherlands, again, I would break out the radio. Also for listeners across Germany, across... Um, all of Central and Western Europe, and even if you're in Eastern Europe, check it out. Break it out and uh, tune in to 6070 uh, every Saturday and every Tuesday, and uh, send in a signal report if you get reception to vorwinfo at gmail.com. Uh, sometimes you'd be surprised. I mean, sometimes we tune in and reception might not, just might not be your day, but... Um, it can really, the signal can travel very far also, and you would be amazed. Uh, the other, as I was actually preparing this show, uh, an email that was a bit late came in from a listener all the way in South Africa, which, 
you know, for this broadcast that's targeting Europe, it's unbelievable, but it just conditions must have been right. And it skipped all the way down on that same frequency for our listeners, you know, in Europe, all the way down into South Africa. And he said, yeah, he was staying at home uh, because of the virus and was scanning around on his setup and picked up the show for the first time. He said, yeah, reception was a bit iffy, you know, it was fading in and out a lot because of the distance, but I, I liked what I heard and he said, actually, you played a bunch of my favorite songs. So that was just really nice to see it made it all the way over there. Uh, which is good to see it actually reach the African continent, which is fantastic. Who knows how um, reception was in all points in between, but the fact that it made it down there to South Africa is very uh, encouraging, and I mean, who knows? Maybe there's a few listeners in Africa tuning in. Who's to say? Uh, so uh, that's, uh, that's what I've got for you. So thank you for writing in. But there are many opportunities in Europe now to listen in, uh, so try those, uh, those times and frequencies. Uh, well, speaking of, we got an email. This one, I think I copy and pasted it by accident, but that's fine. Comes in from Chuck. It's just a reception report. It says, had the pleasure for tuning in at 0208 UTC on 5850 AM. Signal was S9. of 555 into Ohio. This is the detailed reception report he sent. He sent in the list of songs that I played. Quite a good signal tonight. Nice selection of music. And uh, said he was listening in with a wire antenna, and he just was letting me know. So that was from Chuck. Thanks for the uh, reception report. Much appreciated. Tuned in in North America there in Ohio. Um, Let's see what other emails we have. We have Johnson listening in. He says, I don't have many people to talk about this with, so here I am. I've never been a big Star Wars fan. Ever since I was young, I've watched the movies and always enjoyed them to an extent. But now during the whole uh, quarantine situation, I have a lot more time to dabble into different TV series. When I came across Star Wars The Clone Wars, I don't know what made me start watching the series, but I went ahead with it. And I can now say that I am an actual fan of Star Wars after watching the series. There's only one episode left that airs this coming Friday. If you haven't watched the series, it tells stories from the Clone Wars, obviously, and it does a much better job than the movie at showing how much of a tragedy the Clone Wars were as you get to know Anakin Skywalker more, as well as various clone troopers and Jedi. Uh, The most recent episodes, in my opinion, are some of the best TV I have seen in a long time. From the animation and music to the way they executed the story, the episodes are really just mind-blowing, and no other TV series or movie has left such an impact as these episodes have on me. I really recommend watching this series, as it helped me enjoy the other Star Wars content to a greater extent. The show's animation in the first two series is garbage, but season three onward, they received a budget increase, and the show looks great, especially season seven. Anyway, I could go into greater depth about this TV series, but I will end it at that. So that's from Johnson, talking about Star Wars, The Clone Wars, and admittedly, I've never seen that. 
seen the movies and whatnot. Um, but I'm glad you liked it. And see, that's the thing. Some people, I think, they look at various spin-offs as, I don't know, not canon or whatever, but I think it's it's worth... It's worth giving it a try, at the very least. You know, giving it a shot. See what happens. If you hate it, you hate it. Then, you know, watch a little bit of an episode and don't bother anymore. Or, uh, hey, maybe you found something that you really like. You know, like... That kind of reminds me of what I was saying about the superhero movies. Like, I may not be a big fan of the genre. But I'm not going to sit there and just say, I hate it all, and I'm never going to watch anything again. There may come a time where I will watch a new movie, or even an old one, and I'll realize, hey, this is really good, and, uh, you know, I was wrong about these generalizations. So, I mean, like you discovered, you weren't a fan of it. I mean, you kind of watched it, but it's like you were a fanatic or anything. But you checked it out, you liked what you saw, and it kind of changed your mind. So... That might happen with me in superhero movies one day. I mean, who knows? Maybe it won't. Maybe it will. You can't predict the future, but thank you for writing in. Um, we have an email coming in from Maya, writing in again. Good to hear from you. And she says, Your fear of posting new topics and losing followers as a result are totally understandable, especially if that's your livelihood. I understand it can be risky with the algorithm issue, and how sensitive people are to change. As an outside viewer looking in, you seem to be worshipped whatever you do, though, but I'm not surprised why. In a world full of loud, hyperactive YouTubers using the same annoying sound effects, you're unique with using authentic background sounds from nature or silence without editing, and are a person that is not trying to be somebody else. Yes, the numbers might be higher on food-related videos, but I did a quick comparison between you and some other YouTubers with the same amount of followers, and I can see the difference is that you were into reviewing the food-drink category from the very beginning, and you kept that through all these years, when others constantly changed topics week after week from the start. Of course, it's going to be harder for you to just change topic, uh, than for those who've always been doing that every week. But remember that they wouldn't be able to switch to what you do either. A YouTuber that does all kinds of videos and suddenly beginning to only reviewing food won't succeed easily, uh, or be taken seriously either. Meaning the more free-spirited ones on YouTube are stuck into their own box as well, because they constantly have to find something new to do. While you can stick with what you do and still succeed, not many can do that and still keep up interest uh, with others and earn a living on it, so cheers to you. People in general seem to be having a positive attitude on the importance of changing when it comes to themselves, but when it comes to other people it seems only as something bad. You said when you changed background in your videos it didn't go unnoticed, unnoticed, and when you tried new topics, people said you should stick to reviewing food. People seem to prefer sameness and predictability at all cost, and when you're not doing that, it leads to cold rejection. What do you think is the deeper reason behind people's overly sensitivity about minor changes in videos that makes them unfollow? 
Is it because the world feels so uncertain and stressful, especially now during the coronavirus, that people craving for stability and routines, and when you do the slightest change, they feel confused? Or what can be the reason? So, you also ask a second question, which normally I would just answer this first one and then go to the second, but I think that they tie together both very well. You also ask, is social media making people more ruthless in general? So thank you for another good email and um, set of questions for discussion. And I think it's those exact things. Now, one thing that I've realized is that I don't necessarily, and this is a viewpoint of, of mine that's changed with time. You see, there was a time, I would say in 2014, 2015, and maybe even in 2016, where I thought that it was social media that changed people's attitudes and uh, thereby uh, some people's minds. That social media, you know, made people more ruthless, more mean-spirited, more narcissistic, etc. And I thought that many of these negative attributes were caused organically through the use of social media, and that the individual beforehand, um, for lack of a better word, was not quote-unquote corrupted but I disagree with that now this is just you know it's probably an evolving viewpoint I think that these qualities existed in these same people you know maybe for their entire lives who's to say but it was social media that perhaps brought it out or made it um you know, easier to express these feelings. You know, but I don't think someone was just a good person and all of a sudden they start using social media and then they become this uh, narcissistic uh, jerk. They've always been a narcissistic jerk, but they just haven't had the convenient means of, let's say, accessing things that bring it out in them, being incentivized to, or just getting their word out to more people. But it's not like, as I originally thought, you use social media and all of a sudden you turn into this monster. You've you've already been that way, and maybe it just brings it out. Maybe it was just latent in some cases, and is no longer. I don't know. This is my two cents. But I think that social media in some ways hasn't made people more ruthless, but it's encouraged those who already have been to be even more ruthless. And I think it just gives a sense of acceptability, if that's a word. If it isn't, I think you know what I mean, to make it acceptable to be that way and to pick on every little thing because other people do now and they're not there's no problem with that so now you can do that too and there's nothing wrong with that so i think that's why i think there's people out there who enjoy picking 
and making a big deal out of every little thing. Let's say, you know, the shelf in the background of my video, I moved it a little bit. Why did you do that? It doesn't look as good anymore. You know, what is the relevance of that? There really isn't. It's a non-issue. It's the epitome of a non-issue. But, you know, it doesn't matter at that point. So, I think that's one reason why. Because some people just enjoy picking on every little thing. Like it, Some people, I think, are looking for reasons to try to instigate something. To try to be mean. And that's, that's just one tactic. Now, other times, I think, you know, because I really don't know what, what thought process of, of some people is. But I think in some cases, maybe it's something along the lines of, I liked it this way, why did it have to change? I don't like it anymore. You know, people have this sense of familiarity. And um, now when that's been altered, uh, sometimes that could upset individuals as well. Now that, that I, I understand much more, um, but it also goes along the lines of, well, we, we can't please everyone. And, you know, on a final note, you raised a really good point in that, it's, isn't it paradoxical? You, you did, you raised a good point. Isn't it paradoxical how, for so many people, change amongst oneself is promoted as a good thing? You know, it usually goes along the line of what we call self-improvement. And, I, you know, I think that's a, a, a beneficial quality as well. But when someone else changes, specifically, um, you know, these online creators, uh, it's, it's never the same. It, it doesn't apply to them. You know, and for some, that that's, could be taken as a generalization, which it isn't. But it's just an attitude that is present. That it's like, I could do what I want, but you can't. Which is, it's just interesting to see. So thank you, as always, for your email and uh, very interesting questions. Always happy to answer them and uh, kind of give my two cents uh, about, you know, just how I feel anyway, from, from my point of view. Okay, finally, our last email for the show comes from Mike. Says, hope you and your family are doing well. Wanted to write in and get your thoughts on Elon Musk. I mean, what do you really think of him? Sure, he seems like a mad scientist at times, an incredible businessman proven by seemingly boundless success on his multiple companies, Tesla, SpaceX, the boring company, PayPal, uh, etc. But do you personally believe he has humankind's best interests at heart? He seems to genuinely not care about money, and has time and time again rolled his earnings into his other companies to make them more successful so he can further his overall vision for getting humans to Mars. Think about it. If, no, when, Elon gets us to Mars via SpaceX rockets and spaceships, 
He has all the pieces he needs to seemingly rule Mars. He has a company that manufactures solar panels and energy stores, so he has energy covered. He has an electric car company so he can drive and charge the vehicles on Mars, since they aren't combustion engines and don't require oxygen in order to run. He has a company that mines underground tunnels for traffic, so he can make underground highways with no issue. He has another company that specials in artificial intelligence, so he could, theoretically, create a robot army to do his bidding. Then, perhaps most scary of all, he has a company, Neuralink, that is trying to create an interface that hardwires the brain directly into a Bluetooth radio device to increase throughput to and from the brain. It's almost like he's using his time on Earth as a training ground and Mars will be his magnum opus. I, for one, welcome it and would immediately volunteer to have him as a leader, mostly because I've given up on humankind here on Earth, but I'm genuinely curious to get your perspective on him as well. So that was from Mike. Thank you, Mike. My viewpoint on Elon Musk has changed with time. I appreciate some of his work, uh, specifically SpaceX, uh, as, you know, space really does interest me, and it's really good to see that for a time it seemed like the space program was on its on its deathbed. But because of SpaceX, that has revitalized it, and, you know, later this month they're going to send up a few astronauts on the SpaceX rockets, and I really hope that goes well. I want to see that an incredible success and uh, I'll definitely be watching that in late May. And I really hope that, that that goes well. I hope those two astronauts make it safe. And uh, if so, it's just going to be a huge breakthrough. So I appreciate what they do. And I really like uh, SpaceX and, and all that they've done. Tesla as well. I enjoy the Tesla cars. You know, they're, you know, they're, they're very high end at this point. But... Efficiency, etc. I like that. PayPal obviously doesn't have a role in anymore, um, but you know, well, that's what keeps the show uh, going right now. That's how I ask for the donations via PayPal primarily, and he had a role in making that, you know, early on. But then some of his companies I am not a fan of. Uh, I will tell you this: uh, Neuralink, I utterly despise um, with a passion. And you could never pay me to put something in my brain and allow that possibility of, of, I think in the most direct sense, mind control. Because I could never, he could say that Neuralink has the best of intentions, but how can you trust something like that? I just couldn't. You know, personally, I couldn't. It's one thing if it's an automobile. It's another thing when you're putting something in your brain, something that's really never been done before, that at least to the best of our abilities, hasn't been. How do we know that there isn't something else in there? How do we know that there isn't some form of adware in it? And now, great, you've sold your, your consciousness to advertisers, that would be the ultimate data mining. That's a wet dream for advertisers to read your mind and think, literally see what you're thinking. 
And if they were given the opportunity to do it, regardless of what companies claim about ethics, they would, oh, they would fight to the death for an opportunity to do that. The ultimate invasion of privacy. And they would like to have a front row seat. But many other organizations would as well. Could theoretically those types of devices, as they advance, be hacked? Could you have a hacker in your brain? That would be the ultimate form of blackmail. Read your thoughts. Record them. Use them against you. Perfect. For it's, there's no real better form of that. Is there a way that it could somehow control it? Control you. Get you to do some horrid action that you would never do by your own volition. So, like, something like that, I draw the line. I already think that our privacy gets infringed enough, as is, and I would like to live out the remainder of my life never, uh, never having it infringed to that degree. I just couldn't. I, I never, I just couldn't get on board with that idea at all. Yes, it might have its benefits, but I, it's something that the drawbacks far outweigh the positives, and it's a concept that, to me, I'm not comfortable with. I don't think that his best interests are really in that of humanity. Personally, I think Elon Musk is a brilliant individual, number one. Uh, I think he has a great mind. And I think he is incredibly savvy, both, uh, you know, in, in the realm of business, but also very, very... Uh, innovative. He has great teams of individuals, and some of the things that he has done definitely have helped humanity greatly. I say that without a doubt. But I don't think his ideology is truly altruistic. I think whether one would want to admit it or not, uh, that Probably his main goal is success personally and for the company and the companies that he runs. But at the same time, one might say, no, that doesn't make sense, you know, like the example that you gave about earnings. Well, he's still able to live a good lifestyle regardless. But what if, like we said, he is very savvy. He has a good mind. What if, as silly and cliched a phrase as it is, what if, in a way, he really is playing a sort of 4D chess? Understanding that maybe to try to get ultimate success for his companies and assets, one must abandon the traditional business model, go off the beaten path, and do something different. Perhaps understanding that maybe some short-term losses, uh, and even seemingly failures, that may be inexplicable right now, will lead to greater unimaginable successes down the line. I can't think of any greater success, truth be told, like, like you mentioned, of having my company be the one that brings the first human beings to Mars. A groundbreaking historical event made possible by my company. Wouldn't that be... I couldn't think. It may be world domination, right? But aside from that, I couldn't think of a greater success.
probably even even better than world domination, truth be told, because that type of stuff, someone's in charge for a little while, maybe they're never really in charge. It's very, very difficult a thing. Um, and then they're, they're disposed of power, even the strongest individuals. And they're usually known for, uh, well, they were in charge of this for this time period, and then they were succeeded or kicked out or assassinated or killed or died or displaced or whatever. And that's it, on to the next. But you only, <laughs> there's only going to be one time when we first go to Mars, and that's it. And to have that accomplishment, maybe that's what he's setting it up for. Who knows? Who knows? But I don't think that, you know, I, I just, I think some of the things that you've done, again, has helped humanity. But again, I just don't think that that's why he's doing what he's doing. That's just my viewpoint anyway. Might be 100% wrong. Um, but who knows? I also think he's a very eccentric individual. And some of the things that he does are really literally just to do it on the spot. That's how he strikes me anyways. But again, I'm just, right now I'm being an armchair psychologist. So that's just my, my two cents. But overall, I don't think he's the worst person in the world. Um, he's done things that I agree with and things that I disagree with, has said things that I agree and disagree with also. And I like some of his companies and I don't like others. But I don't, I don't hate him. I don't think he is the spawn of Satan or anything. Um, but I don't think that, you know, he is the uh, you know, second coming or, or anything along those, those lines. I just, I, I think, you know, again, that's, uh, well, what I've said. That's my, my viewpoint there. But uh, I don't, I don't love him. I don't hate him. You know, it's somewhere in the middle. And with that, dear listeners, that concludes today's broadcast of VORW International. Again, feedback is welcome to VORWINFO at gmail.com. Once again, that's V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. So uh, anything for a future show is welcome there. With that, please be safe, be healthy, be kind to one another. I thank you for watching. I thank you for listening. I thank you for allowing V-O-R-W to be a part of your day. Take care, everyone. This is V-O-R-W signing off for now. I'll see you again in a little bit in the next show.